0: We're listening to The Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of The Dumb Will Speak. I'm Roy. And I'm Chaylen
1: How are you doing today, Chalen? Doing good. Uh, doing really, really well, if I remember to turn my phone on silent so it doesn't ring in the middle of us.
0: Um, we're going to have a special guest with us today, and we're excited about that, um, and uh, before we... Before we bring him on, he is on camera with us right now. Before we bring him on, I just wanted to do a quick preamble.
1: Chaylon, tell us how you found out about this. The world of of Twitter is very (laughs) small, but it is a really neat community, and and I'm sure Jarrett would probably agree with this. It's a really neat community of like-minded believers that kind of get together, and um, I've found a whole world of Twitter that has become... Uh, very interesting in some of the people I've met. I've met another gentleman, uh, Jared and I talked yesterday, that is um, within 30 miles of us, and he's a pastor, I believe. Um, and um, so, you know, this whole little universe that's connected, and actually funny how, I'm, how I found out about him was Phil Johnson. I don't know if he bought a mug, you sent him mug Somehow Phil Johnson had the Spurgeon mug, and Phil Johnson is a big Spurgeon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all are, but, I yeah. mean, Phil is kind of – takes the cake uh when it comes to the Spurgeon thing and he had a mug and he and of course Phil Johnson I think we all probably follow Phil Johnson MacArthur and all those guys and uh, Phil Johnson had the mug and that led to me finding him and then they he was actually sold out of the mugs so I shot him a message and made sure to get on a waiting list because I wanted the Spurgeon mug and lo and behold I I have my Spurgeon mug that I use every morning that Which I'm quite, that I don't have with me today because I'm 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 at Roy's house so I don't have it with me.
0: Which you had mentioned on a previous episode. We talked about you know we we sometimes do show and tell, when, especially if we're doing it long distance on camera. And he showed me his mug and all that stuff and was talking about it. He was drinking coffee from this and he says it's not one of them little lightweight mugs. This is a big one. You can put like a pint or a it's pint a or something. Good in there. mug. Yeah. It's
1: heavy duty. It's 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 handcrafted, isn't it? I mean, he's
2: well. But- they're sand, they're sandblasted over here in the U.S. Yeah. Oh, are they? Okay,
1: and he's drinking yeah. out of one of the We Preach Christ. I mean, he's yeah. drinking out of that right now. Oh uh, I mean, yeah.
2: Oh, that's nice. Now
1: he's got something else that I I'm getting ready to order. I don't know if you got them in stock. you were running low the the lapel pins.
2: Yeah, I've still got a I've still got a handful. I think I just added the last bit of the current inventory on there. But yeah, I know I've got I'll have some more colors and stuff coming out soon. But that antique bronze is pretty slick.
0: Okay, so he's already debuted his voice. We have introduced him <laughs> from a pilgrim's coffer. That's all one word, a pilgrim's com. This is... Jared Introduce Payne. yourself. Jared Payne. Uh, yeah. Tell us about yourself. Tell go ahead. This. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, in, in my earlier life, I used to... Uh, uh, I actually did tax accounting, corporate tax accounting, for a good number of years. Which, um, I came into let's see I'm 35 so I came into kind of college in that right around that 2007 housing stuff going on oh yeah and uh, and so I ended up I graduated in 2008 from undergrad so I was in college while this was going on and I went into college thinking I wanted to do something business-wise you know and then as this kind of took place I was kind of already going that track to begin with, but it but it kind of just reaffirmed it for me, and I went the tax accounting route. <laughs> and uh, just because you know, I, I would go around and say I'd look at these lists, you know, that would say what are the most in-demand jobs, and I already knew I, I enjoyed business. I had taken some uh, like macro and microeconomics in high school and stuff, and that was probably my favorite classes. I mean, of course, you didn't really get too deep into it in high school classes, but um, I enjoyed it, and I said, well, I want to do something in business." And so, I, I started going around and asking people, "Hey, you know, what cl- you know, what should I take this and that?" Well, the the housing crisis stuff happened. I go down that route, So I did that for about eight or nine years, and I'm you know I'm thankful that I did, but it was not really my personality to sit in a cube all day. That being said, most of the time I spend. At home by myself, so, <laughs> so I didn't really get away from that. But anyway, um, it's just really, your own started, cube now.
0: You own the cube, so there you go.
2: <laughs> it's just a bigger, it's just a bigger cube with little furry things that need to go out and use the bathroom while I'm here. <laughs> I agree. So, so my, um, so I started a Pilgrim's Coffer, really um, with no intent to even sell anything, you know, nothing like that. Which still really is not the was, is not the focus of it. Um, it's just kind of fun and, and people have enjoyed it. So, um, but I started building, um, well, just to kind of tie it in together. When I was working in the corporate world, I, I wound up m- meeting a friend uh, there that was in my department, sat close to me. And, uh, you know, we started, I just, I'm the kind of guy who will just get to know you a little bit and then start bringing up theology and just have good a little five minute discussion, 10 minute discussion in between break, and then go on to something else. And so, found out he was a Presbyterian, and we keep talking. And I had never, at that point, um, I had not paid attention enough really to get into like doctrines of grace, Calvinism, anything, you know, right? Anything kind of like that, um, systematic theology, stuff like that. And so, um, we start having discussions. And of course, um, from his kind of Presbyterian background, you know, he's going through these things as we're talking about stuff, and I'm going, "Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, what's the problem?" Now we get we get in so far, and I'm going, "Yeah, but I don't hear many people, you know, at my church or anybody I'm around talk about these type of doctrines and these things, you know." So that's what really kind of lit the fire uh, under it for me. And over the next couple years, my library would kind of slowly start to build um, things that I knew well. I don't know when I'll get to reading this, but I need to have it at least to be able to go through some stuff and wound up building my library to the point where I said, OK, you got to remember, I'm, I'm stuck in the accounting mindset at this point. And so I'm going, well, if I'm going to go through here and I'm going to read some of this stuff because I know how good it is, I've already, you know, I've already gone through some of it. Um, I'm going to want to have this stuff documented to where if because there's just, you know, it. I was, I was fortunate to get in on the Puritan and kind of reformers early, earlier on, Yeah. as soon as I started getting into the, the, the theology train and I'm reading some things that I'm going, why has nobody ever told me about this kind of thing? <laughs> and so I'm thinking, well, if I don't write this stuff down, I'm going to, re- I'm reading these quotes that are so profound, you know, I mean, my shoes are coming off my feet while I'm reading it. Can I ask thing. you a question? Yeah. Uh,
0: you said nobody talked about it where you went to church and and, and in the, the yeah. people you were hearing. Uh, you don't have to divulge exactly what you were unless you want to. Uh, Southern Baptist. Okay, so there we go. There we go. I just wondered. I just wondered yeah, because you, uh,
1: we have kind of the same background. Background. We were at a almost almost
0: independent, and I have an even
1: stranger yeah. background because I actually was an
0: independent. My dad was an independent fundamental Baptist preacher. So
2: yeah. Well, so now you can we're, imagine we're. Uh, the church that I go to now is technically independent in that we're not a a member of the SBC. Now I didn't. I can kind of understand why,
1: but you're not having the guys from bad preacher clips in there to preach. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, the people I, you got to know that Twitter account that I'm talking about.
2: Oh, oh, I I definitely follow them. Yeah. I'm not getting, I'm not getting berated and and belittled every Sunday or whatever. some Some of that stuff.
1: I grew up in that. What is it? Ramblin' Hamblin'? Is that the one they always have on there?
2: Yeah, John Hamblin. John Hamblin, uh,
1: yeah.
2: A couple of those other—I forget their names. I I remember them once I see them because I've—I've seen plenty enough. But we have a lot of that around. Really? You know, you guys
1: in Kentucky. Wasn't Cody Zarn pretty close to you? Um. Remember, he did the debate with Nathan Cravat, where him and Mitch Canup did that debate. That's how I found out about Cody. He's somewhere over in that area.
0: Nathan from the Recovering Fundamentalist. Yeah, Nathan from
1: the (laughs) Recovering Fundamentalist
2: i think that he is we've got now we've got quite a bit we have uh around here in north carolina it are some of these the big tent revivals that they still have in the summer where john hamblin and all these guys come out to it oh so, yeah uh, uh the, well um, it's the
0: south you're southern we're southern and, and that's just how it is you're further south than we are but
2: yeah and there's there's a lot around here there's you know the the fellas from um you know kind of a north augusta down there i forget their name there's there's quite a bit and we've got a we've got a good number of of fairly i guess in ifb circles fairly well known um the little the school the private schools and stuff there's sure. some around here the that church
1: schools yeah But well, we don't want to we don't want to if you don't watch it, we'll derail us big time into IFB. but yeah, we're not trying to get. We're, we're not, not trying, trying to derail you it. here. I
0: just wanted to know, you know, if you didn't care to share what you're. I figured you we, were more of a mainstream, more mainstream evangelical, we, and I just wanted from your own background because you weren't hearing anything of reformation and anymore, you just don't. I mean, they honor the people. They'll say things like, you know, thanks to Martin Luther and all these Zwingli and John Calvin and these others that came before us and Tyndale, who died to spread the word uh, in the English language. They'll they'll talk. They'll give them, you know. A little FaceTime, they'll talk about them every once in a blue moon, and they love to quote Spurgeon, but they don't ever mention that Spurgeon wrote a book defending tulip.
2: So there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and so it's um, you know great shepherds. I, I grew up under some some really good shepherds for pastors, um, and I was thankful. I didn't, I don't have anything um, certainly not hateful or unthankful about uh, you know the churches that I grew up in. Um, but it's just, you know, if theology doctrine wise, at least what you were getting, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say to them uh, about them per se, because I was more younger through a lot of those years. I wouldn't want to put that on them. but you know, you're talking a lot more kind of like, you know, might be a mile wide, but an inch deep kind of thing.
0: Right. Yeah. So
2: you're just, it's broad, it's great, it's caring, it's instructional, you know, but it's, it's um the theology and doctrine is is the why you know it's it's what it's what propels you i think that depth that meat to understand you know the sacrifice the atonement the justification the same you know it's it's more otherwise it's just kind of a word and a very very brief kind of understanding and it doesn't mean but so much to you because you don't know what it is yeah you said a you mile know?
0: wide but an inch deep you know it's very surface level
1: well i remember to piggyback on what you're saying the first time as i'm finishing up my master's the first time i had took greek uh the level one where we were at we were he was the minister of music and i was the associate pastor and we're when they kind of found out that i was taking greek it, it was why do you want to do that I, you know i want to be able to understand the language i don't want to say i don't know that if i'll ever be smart enough to sit down and take a greek new testament and read it without having to look at some kind of aid but i still want to be able to look to understand what is the semantic domain of that word and how is it used in this context to describe what the writer's saying yeah. and yeah absolutely and wanted to be able to defend you know not just be able to defend it but explain it and yeah. i think that's what's I'm not going to branch it to one group in particular, but I think that's what happens a lot of times is people just don't want to devote that time to trying to divide it. I mean, when you're trying to divide a text, it takes time.
0: Maybe I'm biased because I grew up as one, and I think all three of us have our background in the Baptist persuasion. I like, I like the, the concept of being a Baptist because I think they get some of the core things correct. Uh, inerrancy yes. of scripture, etc. Sure. I think the, the idea of the type and mode and, and the meaning of baptism is correct. That's why I'm a Baptist in that sense. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I started having years ago problems with the, with the actual denomination that I was in. But again, like I yep. said, I was really in a loose affiliation before I ever got into the Southern yep. Baptist that for me, that didn't even happen until 93 and I was born in 72. So, <laughs> you know, well,
2: I mean, you know, a lot, a lot of the, um, you know the way you come to look at some of it, or at least for me now. A lot of these things that I'm going to say, of course, are my opinion. So um, you our I, I reserve show. the right. I reserve the right in 10 years to modify it or change it or whatever. I just I just kind of tell people that I don't have. I, I'm I'm certainly no authority, um, but I feel like um, in being very interested in a lot of the Baptist history, um, and I've kind of been digging more into it. Not to the point that a lot of these people are, but as far as kind of just piecing together, kind of investigative on uh, on some end. Um, that is one of the, you know, if, if you're looking at things as far as, you know, having the ditch on either side of the road, mm-hmm. kind of that kind of mentality, which sure. we can use with a lot of different things in, in Scripture and, and, and the church. Um, I think that the, one of the things you have to understand, particularly for Baptists, when, when we're viewing that the that the new covenant is the covenant of grace. If you're, if you're covenant theologian, even if you're not, I I mean, that's still not exactly a controversial kind of way to look at things. Um, but if you're looking at the new covenant as the covenant of grace, which I think there's, I mean, I think it's more obvious when, when you go through a lot of it, but, um, when you, when you look at that and you, and you're saying the visible church, uh, are regenerate saints. Yeah. And, um, that's that's why when you go through these confessions, um, or just you go through the history, that's why you see um, that we don't have some kind of of uh, the, uh, the ecclesiologies and and the uh, and the different um, you know the Episcopal nature, the Presbyterian, right. the, all these type things. You see why we don't have that because we're saying, hey, this is a body of regenerate believers. In large part, this is who they should be. Yeah. We know that there may be some in there uh that aren't, but uh we don't need somebody in, you know, Washington D C or this or that to tell everybody in these churches of saints who are who who, who have the Holy Spirit how to do each and every little thing like we're completely void of the spirit, right? <laughs>
0: That's so, one of those things that came out of the, I believe the English Reformation uh that is part of that Baptist history. The, the the dissenters the 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 puritans the uh congregationalists and of course the the london baptists those groups were saying i don't need a bishop in in mm-hmm. in london or in uh, whatever to tell this little church in in some little area in sussex how they have to do their church service
2: yes yep yeah and and so you know the the ditch in the road comes to be is that and and it's like this with everything, okay? That if people think that there is this side of heaven, we're not, not going to come anywhere close to uh, a perfect situation, a perfect you know, um, a perfect church. That we're we're always going to have these issues. That's part of um, you know a sinful world that we live in. Yeah. And so the part of the. The the ditch on the road on one side is what the Baptists have pushed back against, right? In and and when you're looking at particular Baptists, you know, but even even just Baptists out of the Reformation, you know, we're saying, okay, well, we're reforming it further, right? We're saying infant baptism is needs to be reformed out. Right. This is this was not something biblical, and so this has been something that that Rome has really promulgated in large over all these centuries. So we're going to reform this out, and so. Um, so they push against that side, which is the di- kind of the ditch in the road, as far as you know, one way of looking at it. But what you have to deal with is Baptist, right? Is the other <laughs> side, and if you swing to the other side, it's that you wind up with a church full of uh, non-believers. You, you've preached easy believism. You've got a lot of people into your church where you're you're 60 percent unregenerate. Now. Now, yeah, you may have a steering issue with the church. You you may not be going the direction of the Holy Spirit because you're not, you know, most of them don't even have the Holy Spirit. Thank so, you, Jared. So, that's
0: great. You, Keep preaching it. I like that.
2: Yeah, you, you're always going to have that. That's the ditch on the Baptist side. And so, you know, I'm I'm one of those who will say, hey, i willingly take the flack from my Presbyterian brothers and the others who say, look at the Baptists. look at oh, they don't need to listen to anybody they just do their own free thing well you're gonna take that flack i mean, yeah. that's the way it is but we're gonna be over here say looking at the baptist churches beside us who are doing that and who are are not you know hopefully i mean i, I know that this it takes time i believe in a plurality of elders yeah. sure uh, you know biblical we both do uh, as believing well. elders i don't think that the vast majority of uh churches have that i guess if you tried to say the associate pastor and the these guys are the other elders. but, but Yeah, but they look look don't do that.
1: They just are, quote-unquote, staff, you know, in most right. places. And, and you're, yeah, you're,
0: yeah. your That's deacons, in effect, take the role. They usurp the role of the elders mm-hmm. because That's, they become like a governing body. The elders are to govern the church, right, and to steer yeah. it in the right direction and to help make decisions for the body. But they're all called men who are teachers and are set aside, and they've been observed by other elders to prove that their faith and their worth. To even have the office, they have to desire the office, and then they have to be proven to be effective and, and deserve it.
2: It's like our church. We we have a guy who you know people he'll say people refer to me as senior pastor because I was here first and I'm older than everybody. <laughs> but th- he says me along with the other pa- none of us has a vote that outdoes the others.
1: That's the way our elder board is. Yeah, you know I used so the, to see the, a the church. The, I used to, to see churches that had
2: CEO, right?
1: Say it again. Say it again. I'm sorry.
2: I said, the problem is you wind up with
0: a CEO. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, that's a term that we use. We use
1: often. CEO pastor constantly. And we, that three years, two, two years ago, I guess now, when we when we both stepped out of roles, me as an associate, and we started seeing, okay, there's proactive elders, what you're seeing. And, and we've been we've been weighing this and wrestling with this for years prior to that. And as we started doing it, we moved out. We We go to. One of the only churches around here. It's not has, the only church that has in the, our surrounding area that has plurality of elders.
0: There are some, but they're they're like Assembly of God and other denominations.
1: Yeah, their elders are,
0: and they they do call them elders or pastors or whatever. But they have yeah. and they have that role and they do share it. They do they do form a committee. They do come together and say, listen, this is what the elders think, and, and blah blah blah. And I think that's scriptural, but I don't necessarily think their is right. So there well, you
1: go. and part of ours is as an elder we teach, fill the pulpit. When the se- And we do have a main, you know, I don't know, he, he's not called senior pastor. I don't know if he has a title, but he's the preacher teacher. You know, he's yeah. the one there every week that does in and out, but he's also not afraid to go. I'm going to be gone this week. I need X, Y, Z. You you fill the pulpit. Fill the, fill the pulpit. And when he leaves, there is a plurality of men that step up and are, are gone. And we've always said, you know that that is how you grow. I almost I almost say grow because then that becomes a number oriented game. And so they, yeah. the church is organically maintained because then your continuing elders come from within the body. Your pastor, the next main preacher teacher, comes from within the body. It's organically grown from within itself that body of believers.
2: Yeah, Jared. Yeah, and, you, and you, I'm sorry. Used to have a lot of. No, you used to have a lot of uh, churches where, uh, if you go back historically, where that's where the pastors were raised up, they mm-hmm. were taught and learned uh, their theology, their doctrine, and their uh, their, their preaching, you know, the, the courses in preaching, just like if you were at Spurgeon's Pastors College, right? You went and you had the courses on teaching. Well, a lot of them, when you go back, a lot of those churches, that's where you learned it. You learned it under the, under the, the pastor, the elder over you, And you were one of the elders below and that, and it was raised up organically from there. And it wasn't just, a. and I'm not demeaning this, I'm just being objective. It wasn't just a kind of a a turn 18, 19 and go off to a seminary somewhere and let them teach you how to do it. And then you may never come back to that church again, you know, you grow up in church. So, so we've got a lot of little churches where, um, You know, and and again, I'm not trying to knock on this too hard, but you got a lot of little churches where kids grow up and then they go off to the big seminary and then they've got, you know, they may have $40,000 in debt. Well, the little churches can't support that now. So now that person has just marked out a third, a half of the Baptist churches in America that they can't even pastor because they got more debt to pay than what that little church can support. They never come back they yeah. got to go off to a, a city Baptist church or whatever. And I'm, then I'm you glad
0: you're bringing that up evening. because that is exactly the way it is, like with law school and and, and other professions such as medicine. We've turned this professional e- 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 ecclesiastics, I guess. We've made this clericalism, even in the Baptist churches, who used to be so proud of their independence and the fact that they did train their own people. And you, you were talking about that. Historically, that's what happened. Spurgeon and others, they did train the next generation. Uh, you're hitting on something that, and Shaylin will probably remember this, as far back as what, 2017, I was saying to you that I don't like the way we do, we meaning Baptists, the way we do things. We call preachers from some other part of the country and take their resume, and look, I've sat on committees and hired those people. I'm not I'm not saying I wasn't a part of it as well. I was.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, I was one. But I
0: had a problem with it. Even then, I felt uncomfortable, and I... I was sort of the outsider in the committee because I was like, we're turning down people because maybe they went to this college or because maybe uh, they've uh, assisted at this church because their parents went to that church and maybe it wasn't affiliated with SBC. So now you can't accept them? Yet they're in line theologically and they've been in the Baptist faith all their life? Except for the years they were with their parents, you have to go where your parents go, or at least I was told you go where your parents go. You don't go anywhere else, right? Yeah. So I mean, yep. we we he knows that I started talking to him about this a long time ago to Chaylon that that I have a problem with professionalism, the idea of professional pastors, and the concept of you don't. You don't disciple the young generation you've got with you. Get those men grounded in the faith, and they will organically become the next level of elders yep. and, yeah, and deacons. Right. And instead, we're just, let's hire this guy. We become a hired hand. I became a hired hand. You know how it made me feel? Outsider. Whereas if yeah. I have, have just been the one that they said, naturally, you're in our church, and you've got this particular uh, uh, gift from God, use it for us. And it would have been much well, more organic.
2: That's the, that's the issue, though, uh, I think in large part um, is I've, I've got a pastor who's my second cousin. So he's my dad's first cousin. I guess that's right. Um, and so I'll go do some pulpit supply for him because he's in a small church and he really doesn't have elders. Now, I, we said the elder stuff before. I'll preface that with saying there's a lot of churches that um, there are pastors who are in there or younger pastors who are trying to ch- change that environment a little bit and move it elder led because for a hundred years since the church's inception they've never been that way. Right. And there's small churches that don't have really a good qualified elder who can teach and preach as well. So there are some exceptions. There there's a lot of exceptions to that depending on where you're at. But I will say that the um you know one of the things that he would always tell me is is one of our problems is we and he's been to bible college he's been to he's been to liberty he'd been year i mean years and years ago and part of the thing was as he said we've got people going into seminary going into uh learn to be a pastor what that the, the church that they came out of was there ever a did the church ever take the pains to teach and instruct and then see if that person even had the gift of preaching before they go off, spend that money, and then you you get somebody who's come out who's been who's learned in in doctrine and teaching, but that doesn't mean that still doesn't mean they have the gift, and it becomes more of a career, right? You've taught them how to say things, do this, regardless of whether they've got the gift. They may be a great teacher, might not be the best preacher, but I'm already on that road, so let's go. And
0: have they forgotten the verse where Paul says? And he gave some. In other words, God gave the gift to yep. some of these to be this. And uh, apostles, uh, teachers, preachers, and not everybody's got the same gift. But we do. We, uh, we have people that will be like, okay, well, I desire this. But no one ever proofed them to see if they really had it. Or no. even if they're going to be, if they're even spiritually called or even in Christ. We have a lot of guys, I mean, you probably know about this. Someone probably from your generation. The young man that wrote the, the book... Why I kissed dating goodbye and all that. Josh, was it Josh something or whatever? So now he's left Christianity and he's an apostate. But as a young man, By they, his had, own him fill, is they had him filling pulpits at seventeen years old. But no one checked to see if the man was even saved. There are oh, yeah. there are clues. There are mm-hmm. clues if you look for it.
1: I'm going to sure. piggyback on a couple things you said there. One, we had a really interesting episode with the pastor. That's one of the elders where we serve. He's one. Uh, he's on the elder with myself. He was the main He was the pastor teacher that cha- made that change you talked about. To hear his story of that change, that was was it two years? Something like close to four years. Close, close, to four years. Four year transitional process to get them from a congregational led business meeting to an elder led plurality of elder led church and. And there was people lost because of it. they didn't, you know, you're leaving the old SBC ways. And, and the other thing that I will add, two, things, two more things I'll add on top of it is the SBC becomes so number focused that yeah, we're, absolutely. N- we're number generated. Whether those people are regenerated, that set in the crowd or not, or they're unregenerate, doesn't matter to the guy behind the pulpit all of a sudden, as long as he has 300 people sitting there to still a term to you, to line the coffers. Yeah. you know, yeah. to, and, and so that's what happens. And then what happens is if you get like here, we had a gentleman here that was the director of missions for all the churches. That gentleman, where Al Mohler is president at Southern Seminary, no church was allowed to take a resume by his dictation, was allowed to take a resume from Southern Seminary because it had went Calvinist. And he himself had a degree from Southern Seminary. <laughs> But now he's yeah. dictating. And so, and so what I, I guess to say all that is what happens is when you have a hired gun as a pastor, when I say hired gun, you brought him in, he knows nobody. Because they're in debt, like we talked about, they begin to capitulate their theology and their whole mindset to conform to whatever that church wants them to be so they can be yeah. safe in their job. And that yep. is a wrong uh, assessment of what a pastor teacher preacher, teacher, whatever you want to do is and I, is called to be
0: I almost commented earlier, Jared, and I almost inter- and I actually did interrupt you that 's why we had to have you repeat something earlier, and I apologize for that because I was something you said made me almost jump out of my skin to to say something like what he just said. Unfortunately, many churches are focused on growth but that growth is outward bring them in and get our numbers up and fill the the coffers we just said it again didn't we yeah, to, yeah. so that we have a lot of money and can build that extra wing and tell everybody how great we're doing what we're doing for the cause of christ because we're the warriors in the kingdom right but they're not growing inside internally spiritually the, I, the church, yeah. I'd rather a church be 50 people, but they are 50 people that are called by Christ and set apart and being sanctified daily. And they're growing slowly that way. And then their families and, and their children and their grandchildren are getting saved. That'll grow organically. The church will be added on to. The Holy Spirit will add to it. It, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be, let's just see if we can bust them in. I know, and I grew up in a system that did bust them in. I went to a church yeah, yeah. that was Little kind of a large, ministry. back in the 70s. It was a large yeah. church in this area, and my dad was in charge of the bus ministry and the youth ministry. And it was, I look back on it now, and I realize it was a joke. They were buying them hamburgers from McDonald's and getting them to, yeah, twice yeah. a month they bought them sacks of hamburgers and brought them in. But how many of those kids really got born again? I hope some did, but how many yeah, did? Yeah. Well, or did we give some a false sense of security, and we got false coverage that says, I said the sinner's prayer, so I'm saved. No, no, unless God, yeah, yeah, no. the Holy Spirit changed you, and you repented, you're not saved.
2: Well, and then here's the problem: how do they how do they uh, look at it, it's it's not generally it's not generally the, the first layer that's the issue the a bus ministry in and of itself right it, correct or any of the other ministries it's the second layer and that's how they look at it and say how how do we determine whether this is successful and worth the funding that we're putting towards it. Well, our X number, are how many are getting saved? How many get this? And, that? and then it, see it manipulates it manipulates what you do. I you know right I, word. I know a direct story of a yeah. pastor going in and coming in and looking at his roles, Little you know little rural church, um, looking at the roles and going, man, this pastor who just left, uh, he had the he had the members up to three hundred and some. And the pastor goes in there and looks around when he comes in, and there's fifty people in that church. And he goes through and goes well let's go through the member roles and and call people and check on people you know since we you know since i'm new here and all this stuff oh well we don't have any member roles well, what do you mean guy took them with him okay he 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 boosted the numbers up to 300 oh, and wow. took a job at a bigger at a bigger church right that's crazy to, to get out of there and there's only 40 you know he comes out there's 40 people on sunday who are sitting there going okay, 300 is like almost standing room in this church. You're like, no, absolutely not. But so, see, that's what it becomes when you and, – and you could really grab the roots from kind of the, the Great Awakenings as far as the number-driven uh, kind of focus on some things. It all kind of stem there. How many people are coming down the aisle? How many people are raising their hand? How many people are doing all these things? And the reality is the, the easy way – is never the best way and i would say the easy way is never god's way we want to know we want to be able to hit a button right now and say i know who's saved i can see that little light switch on their head because that means they're (laughs) saved and so they're done we're good we want we want immediate answers we don't want to have to work out our salvation which by the way to work out a salvation is one that you've already been given okay it's not a do you have it um but we don't want to have to do these things because why those are the things that, that require the labors that scripture talks about in laboring with our people and in laboring individually. And so all this focus, um, becomes how do we do stuff now? How do we get this number up? How do we do these things rather than letting the Holy spirit show people, right? Rather than letting them show people, um, the, the impact that you're, that that true gospel spiritual ministry is making. Now we start making a numbers game, right? Yeah.
1: So summing all that together, what I'm hearing from you is you're a huge <laughs> Charles Finney fan.
2: <laughs> 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 let me tell you. you. Got to have an I'm, altar call. Actually, I've actually got a picture uh, when I was over at uh, a, a pastor friend of mine house, and he's got a... And I didn't know this existed. I, I, trust me, I've never tried to look into it, so I wouldn't have known anyway. He's got a, I think, a first edition Charles Finney Systematic oh, Theology.
1: I wondered if that's where was you were it, going. Was it fifty pages? No, it's like no, three it, volumes.
2: It, it it was a big book. It was really? a pretty big yeah. book. And man, I flip I flip through some of those doctrines, and I mean, first paragraph, you're like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> it's 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 wild, but um, you can just see where. Um, it, it, but it's interesting. I had a picture of it, and I um, eventually, there, hopefully, some of the people who will see my tweet won't look at it. But I'll post it up and say, hey, here, here's one of my new pickups for the week. And i will post that Charles Finney Systematic Theology.
1: There is a book that Roy and I read that you would probably like. and eh, we don't agree with everything in it. Uh, it's Pagan yeah. Christianity. Have you ever read that? Uh-huh. Have you? No, have, I've not. That is a... They they discuss
0: that it. so, anxious it, it, bench so in it's just so it's Frank Viola the home church guy mm-hmm. okay and he's written yep. multiple books I have another book by him up here uh, by the way that one's out on loan to Tammy oh uh, I don't okay. have it here right okay now. I was
1: looking for it on the bookshelf I, I occasionally
0: when I realize someone might be susceptible to my drug dealer ways I I send them uh, I send them this book to get them that's their that's yep. their gateway drug to start questioning everything I, they know about our church church in just, general how we do church I hate that term but that's yeah, how yeah. we do church. Uh, yep. And this guy questions everything, and,
1: and it's, it's scary. <laughs> well, you know, and I, something else came to mind when you were talking. A lot of times all the quote-unquote Baptist churches that we talk about, they speak so much against seeker-sensitive, and yet they do everything seeker-sensitive to get people in. For and sure. it drives Absolutely. me up a wall. And you said something earlier, and you can listen to this episode too where we talked to Pastor Tom. We do something that's not popular here. It's been kind of different with COVID. How you do? We purge our roles. We haven't seen yep. you. no communication in, a, I believe it's a year. Now, it's kind of skewed now with COVID because we have people that are really susceptible and they don't want, you know, the, oh, they, yeah. they have different health problems and health issues. But, so, it's a little different now. We've heard the role, so. So, if we haven't seen, there's no activity heard. I mean, we're, we're still reaching out trying to communicate yeah. with them, but if we don't get a reciprocated response, then we, that role is perched. So... I remember Tom told the story. There was an award given because we had like the most baptisms or something per. And we and the other thing that we don't do that is popular around here is the redunking, as we call it. You know, you wasn't quote unquote spiritually, or scripturally baptized because it wasn't a missionary Southern Baptist church.
0: You may have been Presbyterian. There are a lot of Presbyterian church in our, churches in our area, and we know yep. that they don't. They don't generally. Doug, now the Methodists well, will do different methods, they do all three, but but yeah. we also have a lot of Methodists, but we do have a lot of Presbyterian churches, and there are Presbyterians at the church we go to.
1: I will take it, Yeah. I will take I'm it sure. this far, if you come from John MacArthur's church at Grace Community and moved into this community, 90% of the churches around here have to rebaptize you because you were not scripturally baptized in their eyes.
0: Because it's not into the local Baptist local
1: church. Local and, and to me, that is landmarkism, and I have a hard time with so that. So we don't do yeah. that. We don't practice that. We quiz the people, talk to the people. We want to let's hear let's hear your story. Let's hear the testimony. Let's hear you know we we want to see the things that we've all talked about here. We want to make sure you understand <laughs> salvation. Not I followed a guy down or raise my hand. Well, not those kind t- of things. telling the other thing. What
0: majority of the people I've seen baptized at this church in the last two years. And there's been a bunch. Were people 40 and over who grew up in church. And I'll tell you, they, quote, got saved, they thought, when they were 10, 12, 15 years old at some meeting. And then they just went on and lived their life. They realized there was no heart conversion. And that didn't happen until they were in their middle age when they finally got into a church that told them, hey, you know, you're either... You, are, you either are or you are not repentant of your sin. If you don't feel anything for the sin you're living in, There's a, you better check your salvation. And I believe yeah. you should. Now, once you know you're saved, then you can rely on Philippians where it says, For I know whom I believed and persuaded." persuaded. I always quote King James, and I'm sorry I am not a King James onlyist. No. I did, no, an, I did two, t- we did three episodes on Bible translations where I'm totally against being yeah. a KJV only. But I grew up in a KJV only church. I love church. the way
2: it's rendered. I love the way a lot of the verses are rendered though.
0: Yeah, and sure. I did grow up in that, and it sticks in your mind. It's very poetic. But for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed. That's this, the heart, that you, the, the, the eternal part that's never going to die, the, the spirit, against yep. that day, the day of judgment. And you know you can rest in Christ. But you can't rest yep. in Christ if you're not sure that you actually got it right that time, right? Yeah, but it's not about leaning, leaning on you, What the words you said, your prayer, or all these other things. Was my heart, did I really mean it, all that other stuff? You'll never know based on that. It's what did Jesus yeah. do? Because well, you didn't do anything yeah. to get saved. It's what did Jesus do for you? If you're resting in his finished work, the atonement, then
1: you're saved. Well, I remember trying to deal with questions of security, I would say. Uh, me too. And I, I I didn't I didn't come to Christ until late. Uh-huh. I was 25, 26, somewhere thereabouts. And I remember yeah. very early on trying to remember. And then what, did I, you know, what was the question? Did I say the right words? Mm-hmm. Did I do this right? And... I remember people trying to, I'll use the word counsel me as far as assurance goes, and it was always rendering back to me. And yeah. I remember some years later going, man, if I look back to me for anything, then I'm never, I'm never going to have assurance. No. My only assurance rests upon, he did it. He did it all. I did nothing for that salvation.
0: Now, you know, we had you on here because yeah. we, we believe in promoting, Taylor uh, and I were talking about this before before we ever turned on the what
1: are we on? Yeah, on we Skype? haven't even talked about your website are we, are and your products.
0: Are we on yeah. Skype? <laughs> no, we're on Teams. We're on, okay, we're on Teams. Okay, we're on Microsoft, on Microsoft teams. teams. Okay, big plug for Bill Bill Gates. All right, so Melinda can get <laughs> some more of his money as they divorce. Anyway, the um, <laughs> sorry, not a not a Microsoft fan. Yeah, we, even, even though I have Microsoft no, no, products, no. I'm just not a Microsoft fan. Okay, so yeah. here's the thing. Um, we like we believe, uh, definitely believe that you know, if we don't support Christian run and i'm talking about truly faith-based run organizations and businesses they'll go out of business and then we'll all we'll be doing is sitting around going there's nothing on hulu to watch or to netflix to watch look christians are out there they're actually producing television and 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 movies and we don't watch them right well we should shame on us because we complain about everything that's not good on tv and at the theater but we won't go and support them so I like, to give my, I like to put my money where my mouth is sometimes. and So here's the thing. I didn't realize you were on today. It's uh, my fault. Well, I'm drawing back he, the oh. curtain to reveal it. I didn't know you were on today. I just told my wife last night. I said, I'm going to research this guy's stuff because I saw Chalyn's mug. I thought
1: we had talked about and it, and apparently I hadn't I'm informed get a, him. And
0: I said, I'm going to get a mug uh, so yeah. that when he sees me for the first time on camera, I can be drinking from one of his mugs. Well, guess what? I don't own one of your mugs, well, but Chalyn does, so half of the crew does. Did you ever listen to Todd for Real?
1: Yes. We are, yeah. we are kind of along the lines of Todd Friel. We are the most professional on the air at this time. Yeah, we you know, very... that's pretty much us, <laughs> you know. we had And what was funny, we had talked about it for two weeks, and yeah. then the ice storm hit, and then there was lack of communication this week because just we were all preparing for this this ice storm. We've got, what, half inch, three-quarter inch. You were out power all day yesterday. Yeah. And so we've been dealing kind of with this ice storm and large power outages. So there wasn't much communication later in the week. And I guess I took for granted that he already knew – and uh but it is what it is but what tell us about the website because you've got mugs you're wearing a shirt obviously it's your your company you got shirts you got lapel pins and also you sell books
2: well so and i guess we got into a good conversation which will happen with me um i'm the kind of guy who goes to waffle house and has an hour conversation with the guy, random guy sitting beside, that's me. (laughs) So, um, yeah, yeah, I could, I could talk to a stop sign for a little bit. I'm pretty sure. Um, but you know, so it, but, but basically where I was at before, you know, when I started this, it was, I'm going to go through, I'm going to go through, um, and document some of these things. And I started thinking, okay. Um, which is kind of been sidetracked by selling stuff. Actually, that that's kind of, I, I was planning to do more of this other stuff, and and I'll tell you how it's come about. Well, but, your website um, comes
0: up as a blog. It comes up, your website yeah. shows that you are a blog, and it says we preach Christ and all that, and you have the, the pretty lamb, the sacrificial lamb on there. And I'm like, I told Chaylen I said, what is this? And he goes, oh, you got to go to the store.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, um, you know, that was kind of part of the thing is I, 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 I knew, well, if I'm going to record this stuff, Uh, Why not do just a little bit more effort and make it like searchable and stuff for people so that they can use it, not just so that I can find any quote I want to, because for one person. And and part of the reason, you know, like the books behind me and stuff, part of the reason that I buy them and that I've justified in buying them, uh, justified to myself in buying them, is that uh, I want to share a lot of the material out of them to people so that they have access to it who don't, you know, can't have a million books sitting around, which I – I'm pretty much getting close to out of room, so. But um, so that's how that started, and the intent was the intent was to um, to basically be uh, th- that's the whole idea between a pilgrim's coffer, right? A pilgrim's coffer is um when when like the pilgrims, when the Puritans and stuff came over to America, you a lot of them, if they could, had one of those little wooden uh boxes, wooden um. You know, kind of uh, what a lot of people would use kind of as, you know, later, you know, like a quilt, um, like a quilt box or something at sure. the bottom of their bed. Yeah. Well, when it's, you know, a, that's probably where a lot of that comes from, It, w- but it had a lock on there and that was call- that was your coffer. And so that's where you saved all your valuables. So that's really, if you look it up, that's what they would bring over on the ships and have at their house and they would lock in all their valuables in their house. Uh, in there, and so the idea of a pilgrim's coffer was like trying to make this reserve of all this treasured theology in one place as much as I could as I was going through it, so that people could just didn't have to mine through it like I did. I figured, well, I'll just do some of the difficult work, right, and I'll do be the ones reading. But the thing that always irked me is you find quotes, or you find this or that, and you find no reference to where to where to get to it. And so my whole thing has been, hey, here's this quote. Does that sound like, you know, amazing? Is that something you might want to read for a sermon you're working on or a paper at seminary? Here, look, I've got the exact page, the exact volume that you need to go to if you want to read that.
0: So you're a a reference. You're a citation source, basically.
2: That was was my intent in starting it. And that's really um, part of my passion that has fueled it. The... Design stuff just came as I was going through some of the stuff. And now most of what I've got is Spurgeon oriented. Um, <laughs> not necessarily intentionally, but just kind of organically because of how much Spurgeon stuff I have. But um, so those designs came out of that. I started, you know, I think I made, uh, I don't know if I have one around. Here. I think I made just a We Preach Christ vinyl sticker. I think that was the first thing I made. And then um, I had edited that. I'd had already had kind of like Adobe software that I was that I use for, I've actually got another business, which is that, that I went into, which was like vintage watch restoration and building watches, mechanical watches, believe it or not. That's what I got into as I was in tax accounting and I started doing that and I still do it. This has taken up most of my time the past year trying to get a lot of this stuff off the ground. But, um, so I'd already had been editing some little things and, and doing some design work. I'm not a professional by any stretch, but, I think I made a little vinyl decal of that of that uh, logo from some of the Spurgeon sermon books and I and somebody uh, people wanted that sticker. Hey, why don't you put that on a shirt? You know. So I do that and then what's naturally I go through probably some days I feel like I probably go through a half a gallon of coffee a day. So uh, <laughs> I was like, well this needs to be on a coffee mug or something. Then I make coffee mug in them and then Bunch of people buy it, I sell out. Okay, well I order more, and so it's really gone that way. It was really ne- I'd really never thought I would be hey a store, uh, per se, and so that's one of the reasons I've been a little bit um, hesitant and kind of pushed back against people coming to my website and it looking like just a straight up store, right? Because I don't want people thinking you know I don't want people to think my intent is hey I'm I'm here to sell you something. Sure, thanks for coming. Yeah. So, um, that's not really my intent. I've, I've told people, I went to founders, um, uh, last month and, um, you know, I, I actually had a a fair number of people buy some of the old books that I had on the shelf and I, and I would, I would talk to a lot of them and tell them, Hey, I don't care if you buy any of my stuff. I don't really care if you buy the books that are on here, but look at them and go home and consider looking some of these up and maybe reading some of them even if it's the free pdf online my goal is you know is ultimately to have people reading things that are uh bolstering their spiritual life and benefiting them the way that it's benefited me in just what small amount i've gone through i'm not the most read person i'm a slow tedious but you are promoting
0: historical sound biblical doctrine and that's good for people, whether they think it's fun or not. It's not exciting. It's not the yep. newest book by Joel Osteen. It's not oh, going to yeah. tell you. It's hard to you, say. i tell you some, how
1: great you are. But. I've got some Copeland books a guy gave me I could send you if you <laughs> wanted them to. Kenneth? I,
2: mean, I, had a guy, I had a guy give me a box of, uh, of books from the little house that they bought. Uh, they're some of my brother's friends who actually moved to East Tennessee, where my brother lives now and uh, they moved from Washington State over there just to kind of be near them and be in the country. Uh, they're originally from New York, but uh, they they cleared out some of the, the, the books and stuff that were left, and so, man, I've got some <laughs> old books by Kenneth Hagen and stuff like that Ooh. up there that I just looked at, and I was like, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I've got a few, but I don't need any more, okay? I, the, I, the I, more I have.
1: <laughs> I, I'm going to, I mean, I, I'm going to, I've got to go to the trash later, but I, I mean <laughs> I could get send them to you just as easy. So, in all joke, we, we're laughing about that. I had around here. I'm kind of anybody that's got books or anything. I always jump on them, and you know, and and, and you know, a lot of times they're the library that I just bought. No, there won't be any sorting, but some of them there is some heavy sorting. And the joke was the last library that I got. I believe I, I think I went through. Seventy five percent of the books, and they went, they went in the trash. I'm just going to be honest with you. No, nobody, I just oh, yeah. nobody need to read them.
0: He brought me crates and said, "Now I'm not through them. <laughs> I've, I've cherry picked it. I think, but you go and get whatever you want out." He goes, "I also left some stuff in there that because well, I already got was, it, I don't need it." it was, <laughs> so I found a few things that were in line with what I would want, but they were things he already had. So he was giving well, me these have, these dual copies.
2: You Black stove that you needed some kindling for.
0: Well right? <laughs> you go. Well, I have a fake one right behind me. That's on well, a Little well, electric fireplace.
1: But what was funny was there was all these Greek uh, lexicons. There was these word studies, and they'd they were, never been opened. They'd never been opened. They it, I believe it. They were crisp, and they, you know, I'd open them, and the spine would crack, and I'm like, whoa, you know. And I, you know, and I, now, like I said, now I just come across the library in the last couple of weeks, but or the last week, uh, it's not that way. There's not a book in there that's not. No. It's a very Puritan-based sent, library that I bought. He sent me
0: some photos a couple nights ago, and I, I, I zoomed in on them was checking the spines, and I said, we're going to overlap. You're, you're getting some books that I already have, and you are gotten some books that I want. And I said, because you're getting a partial series of commentaries that actually have just one orphan copy of the Psalms, I yeah. said, I'll give you that because I don't need it. So I gave yeah. him the <laughs> this, this, uh, oh, yeah. this right here yeah, because yeah. Uh, I don't have a need for it. I don't want to go down another path and get a rabbit hole and get another set of commentaries my wife will kill me and someone gave me that so i'm passing it on and giving it to him but um uh on your website you've got some really interesting things man you've got bookmarks of the solas (laughs) i noticed and you got uh you got uh your mug your mug series i was just looking at the regular mugs but then i scrolled down at your more expensive ones
1: the nice... Yeah. Oh, the priest oh. Christ with the... the, the it's almost lo- like a label on them it sticks yeah, out.
0: Yeah, it's like a raised la- raised logo. Yes. And they're more so of a these, s- an old classic look with a large handle, uh, almost a Stein look. Uh, how yeah. many ounces does that hold?
2: Um, they're, so those are handmade uh, down here in Seagrove, North Carolina, which is about 20 minutes from me, uh, 15, 20. So um, Seagrove is considered the pottery capital of the U.S., right? So okay. back in... The 1700s, some of the English who came over, I, I mean, I don't know if they were all English, but I think that was primarily, they came down and settled in this area and found out that the they had some clay pits that the pottery that was being made on there was excellent. Uh-huh. And they actually start, England actually started exporting the clay from right over here back to England to fire pottery out of it. And so in the 1800s, it really kind of ramped up where these local potters and some of the potter families started uh, making it, and then it's just – Pretty much continued with some people coming in who weren't from here and things, but continuing that tradition. So, but it's still considered <laughs> pottery capital of the of the U.S. Now, I'm, there may be other places that sell more because they're just more uh, metropolitan. But I have a guy down there, uh, one of the potters, who uh, hand makes these for me. So that uh, what looks like a label on there is is really um, he takes out of clay and stamps the "We Preach Christ." logo on there and then make hand makes the cup and and applies that on top of it so it almost looks like a leather patch oh, uh, kind of stuck to it kind of thing but uh, and then he hand so he fires those and then he um he glaze hand glazes it, them now the glazings
0: so, on here are beautiful man i mean they're excellent i i mean dude I, but he you doesn't know, use
2: machines so none of these are so so i might get one that you know are a quarter inch a half inch height difference i mean he try he makes them pretty uniform but they're quite different so um so but i've heard that they somebody told me on one of them said oh this thing can at least hold 20 ounces but they're handmade right down there i mean he he, he does a great job so i do have to ask more for those yeah. but we are a family that has a lot of pottery uh, because of where we live and we've uh, like my mother for instance has gotten rid of we started i started buying some of this stuff for uh christmas presents for her. she got rid of all her um plateware and completely replaced it with local pottery from down here and that's all she uses she loves it so it's um we love it and i just thought it was a, a good option yeah and people have responded well to it so
1: is that is spurgeon is that mug from the same guy is that who does the spurgeon mug
2: no now this the spurgeon mugs uh the, the mugs themselves are not american made, okay but they are yeah they're sandblasted here up in uh, pennsylvania for gotcha
1: me. i wouldn't ask you yeah. your source not, but i'm just curious you know if yeah, that yeah. same guy made those or not and did the stamp in them too because it's it's no, no. that's my next i love well, the I, big ones i, I noticed about.
0: those said that they're the the more the more modern style they they
1: yep. they even said
0: i think your thing on there said that they're like a 16 ounce cup and Chalen has yep. one, and he, he showed it to me, and he said, it's like, this thing holds a massive amount of coffee. So. I
1: mean, it's a good coffee. I'm not going back and refilling it, it every is. time I turn around.
0: But yeah, I no. think you've got some great product. I mean, I really do. I mean, not that... I know, like you said, you're not in it just to make money and have a store, but I will say, I will urge people, if you're kind of into this sort of thing, if you like having a pretty mug set up, and I've got like a collection of Christmas mugs, you know, and yeah. some of them are over there on my shelf uh, next to my coffee pot here in the studio, and... uh I like displaying things like that. You know, I just, I like the look of yeah. them. It's not necessarily to drink out of every day, but I mean, I, I, I would probably. But, you know, it's just, yeah. I like the look of them and I just thought, well, that was great. I wanted to promote that and show that off because that looked good. Oh you, you... Yeah,
2: and I, I think on some of those, um, you know, that that's the explanation for the reverse mugs that I sell is because a lot of the, um, a lot of the guys who, uh, the pastors who will buy from me, they like to, um, they want to have, so So this is the right, you know, this is a regular mug. So I'm right-handed. So, see, you're not looking at anything. Yeah. So the one, say reverse on them, right, you can consider it a left-handed mug for somebody who holds, you know, who's left-handed. But I I, I listed as reverse, but it's really kind of like a pastor's mug. <laughs> and i say that because a lot of the pastors when it's on this side want to have it sitting on their desk so that whoever comes in is looking at the logo versus up. so that's right. why i even offer any of the reverse
1: do you do have the spurgeon um, in the reverse because that was one thing i thought about was it'd be nice if it was on the other side
2: i don't have the spurgeon in reverse i can always do that if i had a list of guys um you know who um uh, who who were interested in it. It's, it's no big deal when I go to, to reorder to have some of them done. I just never did. Um, I really didn't know that that many people would want the Spurgeon mode. Um, that's gotta be a popular seller,
0: but your standard one would work fine for me, right? Because I'm left-handed. So the picture would be on the outside. Yeah.
2: Yeah, The picture would be on the outside for you. So you don't need that. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it was hard terminology wise to kind of tell people, um, you know exactly what um you know exactly what uh what it was called because (laughs) it depends left-handed mug okay well left-handed might depend on whether the left you want to see it or you want to see the logo or you want the other person but i just consider most mugs the way they tend at least in the mug industry you know from what i find out is that most people would be looking at their at the design for whatever hand they are so that's kind of the default but that ex- that explains a little bit what the reverse is
0: well we, we didn't um, we didn't uh hopefully drive you crazy today so if you if you yeah. like us well enough and you we could have you back on sometime we're going to start doing video pretty soon we said that yeah. last year, but then. Life but we're happened. not very
1: good to look at. No, That's we're not. The problem. But but, hey,
0: but that Ma, would give you worry. an opportunity to show off those massive bookshelves behind you, and you could show the product. You know, for you know, just to give you a free advertisement. But just another reason is because I didn't know we were going to have such a deep. I consider it deep to me. I mean, it's it, because I don't get to, other than me and Chaylen, I don't run into a lot of people here in this part. Of Western Kentucky, yeah. where I can just sit around and talk about reform, <laughs> reform theology, or any theology or, for that, or matter. any theology and or yeah. church ecclesiology and all the other stuff from someone who is still Baptist at heart in the sense of true Reformed Baptist, you know, the yeah. old Baptist. Um, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm still a Baptist. I'm just not, I'm just not big on what the SBC is turning into.
1: <laughs> well, around here, if you're not a premillennial dispensationalist, then you're a heretic. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, so. you know, I, this this type of stuff is really um, – I would rather – It seems that you're really it.
0: your bread and butter. You like to talk theology more than your product, so that's good.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather talk that. Like I said, the, the other stuff, I you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to make the stuff. Um, I've got some really neat uh, shirts that I did. I did a, a an All of Grace uh, after Spurgeon's book from my original copy, I took it and kind of cleaned it up. So, you know, the old copies worn and the way that the printing was, the imprinting, the ink wasn't perfect on there, you know, 18, whatever that copy is, that (laughs) was 1890 something. But, um, so I cleaned it up and made it where, what it was supposed to really kind of look like where the colors were supposed to go and has all of grace and has the Ephesians 2 8 on the back. And then I've got a Spurgeon quote on the sleeve. That's one thing when you look at my, when you look at my shirts, I put stuff. You won't see stuff on the mock-up of what's on the sleeve, but a lot of my shirts, I've got a quote, or I've got. I did a pastors' college. Um, essentially, is what I call it. The etenio et et tenor shirt, which is the logo, the emblem, and the motto for the pastors' college that Spurgeon and them decided on. Um, and it's that's I he- I hold and am held that was their motto and Spurgeon that, you know, was integral in picking that out. And so on the sleeve of that, you don't see it on the mockup, but I've got the, the one of the old original drawings in the Passmore and alabaster books of the pastor's college, that drawing is printed on the sleeve, but you just don't see that. So I like to throw on stuff without cluttering it too oh, much awesome. to give some of the extra flair. But, um, but no, the, this stuff is, is fun for me. Um, but I would, you know, if, if people want to buy that stuff, and I'll keep making designs while I can. Um, but I would—I love talking theology and talking doctrine. And um,
0: well, you're preserving our history. You're you're preserving our history yeah. while doing that, and also getting it out to the next generation. I like that.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's part of what I'll probably end up doing this year. I, I'm, I'm in the process of working on, uh, you know, and hopefully it'll be sustaining enough to where people will be interested. But uh, reprinting. Um, starting to reprint and, and self-publish uh, some good stuff. Oh, I've got a. Uh, I'll show you this since you're looking. Let's see if I can find it. For instance, I've got a. Uh, I just got this. This is an 1846 <laughs> oh, printing of the of the Baptist Baptist Library. Wow! And w- what it was is it's is it's is it's three volumes that were printed together, and it was called and it was so 1846. It was called the Baptist uh, Standard Baptist Works. And they go through there, and they pr- they print all the. I'll say it this way, just because that's kind of what it is. Doesn't sound friendly, but all the anti-Patno Baptist works that were integral throughout the past 200 years, and then they go in and they put the key Bunyan works, the key Andrew Fuller works, the key Benjamin Keach works, all in those volumes, because they were saying this is what Baptists need to know. Now, this is what they need to have in their library. Now, this is 1846. If we, if you walk to, if you just picked a random Baptist church on the map within 30 miles of you, let's say you pick, you went to nine out of ten. They're going to reject, oh. or not have read, or not care about virtually everything in this book. Yeah. Now they might hop on the anti-Pedo Baptist sure. train a little bit. They they might get into that. But when you get into any of the other doctrine, that was the fundamental Baptist doctrine. At the time, 150 years ago, there was that you were you were in a fringe if you were what you what the average SBC church holds now. Well,
0: absolutely. Well, well, dude, a lot of those mainstream Baptists, but also the fundamentalist Baptist, the ones that are like KJV only and all that stuff. You know, they'll they'll push this and you know and and I don't want to be told anything. If you start talking about the history of the church and you start talking about theology and the development over time they'll go about well I don't want to hear about all that cuz those are all baby di- uh, baby dippers baby dunkers things like that right yeah. they, in other words yeah. they baptize babies and we're not into that we're baptists but they don't even know how to defend that doctrine or why hey, it's hey, that, that way that, that,
2: that's like saying that's like saying well, why do I need to know all the old testament stories why can't I just read the new testament absolutely yeah
0: Andy Stanley well
2: uh, well no I don't want to I don't want to say that that is Equal, you know, equal to scripture. I don't. I don't mean that, but I'm saying that logic. Right? But 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 but
0: unhitching the old from the new, and etc. But they but they do all that, and then they do, and then they don't even realize that they're promoting a almost cultic association with a with a translation. And I'm not trying to bash the King James. I have three of them right over there. But but they they hold that to a higher. They hold every Bible to that standard. But do you, if you try to remind them that that it wasn't that that was produced by the Anglican bishops and their translating committees as well, but it had to be it had to be following a list of things they could and could not do according to King James's doctrine, his own order, yeah. his edict, yeah. and it was enforced by the um, by the by the by the bishops of the Anglican Church. It is an Anglican translation, so.
2: What does the what does the preface say to it though? What does the preface say to the 1611? Oh, it's saying that this this is a faith. This was a faithful attempt. Yes, at translating the original tongues. Not this is the infallible R- word of God. It says, <laughs> "Is he right." Easy, it was, we, easy now.
0: We did not. What what is it? We did not endeavor to create to destroy a good a translation. And but we 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 chose to take a good translation and make it better. And being informed by other good translations. In other words, they said anything that contains all 66 books is, in fact, the Word of God. They would never would have held their own Bible to that standard. No.
1: No. I've got to ask a burning question. And this sure. is kind of... Oh, no. This is silly. Did you yeah. did, did you have... When you go to... You were at um, um, Founders. Founders last month. Last yeah. month. Yeah. Did you have much interaction? Do they... I mean... Did you like Vody was there? Tom Askell. (laughs) Do you have a lot of interaction? Do those guys interact?
2: Oh, a bunch. Yeah, Founders is probably um, Founders is probably just because I think of the of the size of it, which it's growing, and um, and I think it has been the past, you know, five and six years. I think it it's been pretty continual, Uh, but the size that it is at, and and it may not always be this size. But is is really nice it's I i'm not sure I'd, I'd have to ask hannah or one of them what the what they thought the total was that showed up um i went uh last year and, not, and didn't have a table I, the founders was my first time having a table right gotcha. or, or anything so i was just going because i wanted to go and um you know there probably was six to six eight hundred people somewhere kind of in that range Um, but it's a perfect size to be able to get to meet a lot of people, talk to people, not hard to get around. And then they still allow you to have, uh, Friday night, allow you to have a book signing and go up to the table and talk to all these guys. And yeah. And now, you know, you'll be, but you'll be walking around founders and, you know, Tom Buck will just be walking by and you'll be (laughs) talking, Hey Tom, how are you? You know, and he'll, and he'll sit and talk to you. I mean, so it's a great size for that. Um, I know some of them did at G3 too, but, um, at G3, man, Vody's table, Paul Washer's table. I mean, it was, you know, it it looked like a, you know, a Bon Jovi pre-sale ticket, (laughs) you know, 1984 kind of thing. And, uh, but it's, it's really good. Um, you know, I I love it. I love those guys, the work that they're doing, uh, you know, and if you're going to go this next year, I think, I'm not sure if tickets went off their sale, their early bird special, um, but Paul Washer is going to be down there next year, and I bet it's going to be slammed.
1: Well, see, yeah. we're we're so. getting ready. To, we're you know, you're not. We're, I'm going to the Truth Matters, you know, yeah. which is a little larger. Which is a little larger. I think it's about 24, 2500 It's at the Ark Encounter, uh, just just north of yeah. us here in Kentucky, and um. We're looking forward to it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Vody usually attends those. And I know we kind of lift these guys up to high esteem, but I, I, those guys are really humble. They, they know that they're oh. fallible men just like we are. I mean, they, they, those, I'm not – but they're giants of the faith that have really stood for things. They're all guys
0: that went to seminary, had some liberal professors, and it just made them have to be more bold. I really think yeah. that's what a lot of it is. They had liberal professors espousing theology and and hermeneutics and, and a style of ecclesiastics that they realized, no, wait a minute. That's really not what Scripture says. That's really not what the church has always been in the past. And even though I grew up in this and it seems sort of lightweight I'm getting away from that. And they're returning. It's not really that they've done anything revolutionary. They've just actually kind of gone back. And said let's yeah. take a look at the actual Reformation and what it was let's take a look at what it means to be Baptist to be because um, there are truly born again evangelical <laughs> Anglicans because there's a group of those people oh, that yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I hold in high esteem and also uh, that are not high church and also um I said Presbyterians who else am I trying to who am I leaving out I don't know there's a handful of Lutherans even probably that are actually yeah, yeah. doing the right thing yeah. but but I just I just find it Encouraging because and, until a few years ago, I didn't see stuff like this much. You know what I mean? Other than MacArthur and a couple and, others,
2: and and guys, guys like James White and stuff too. See, oh, we they, love James White. You, um, from time to time, we'll give you good info on a lot of the seminaries you know, like they went to. And so it was kind of one of those things where you know, where we kind of ought to be now, more so to where you can be around people that you disagree with w- without being like kind of sucked into their world. Uh, totally, you know, um, I can't remember where where Doctor White went. Uh, I think he went to Fuller. He was Fuller. It was, full Fuller. So it was he, Fuller. He'll constantly lament, you know, lament <laughs> how it is now. But he had professors. that He would say, "Man, they said something. That I just couldn't believe." But yet, he still, you know, it, it wasn't. We're right now. I think we got so many that are just we're, we're moldable because we don't know what we believe. True. And yes. Molded. Right? Well, well, James White so, has
0: said that that actually prepared him. Absolutely. to do better at debates and apologetics because he'd already seen the liberal side. And he'll tell you, he found some people in there that he could get along with. He found some people that he thought were truly born again. But he watched as some of those people, watched their denominations they were involved in, these professors, that they were sliding way to the left, that even those professors couldn't be left with them now. You know what I mean? It'd be like if they were still alive, they would be like, no, we." they wouldn't even be a part of that anymore because it it has swung so far to the left. And I'm unfortunately personally seeing that with the SBC and it, it kinda of bothers well, me because the reason I became a member of SBC in the nineties, early nineties, was because I felt like they were the only mainstream denomination that was that had actually had an actual resurgence of conservatism and they were holding to certain things and they weren't going to break away from that.
1: Now they've allowed C R T and other other mess to come in, you know. Oh yeah.
2: Like, Did you it's, see it's, the it's, Dwight
1: oh, McKissick oh. stuff the other day? On have you seen that on Twitter? Were you talking about Tom Buck and all that? Check that out.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll have to look at it. I d- I didn't. Um, I've I've followed through with uh with with some of the ones over the past months and stuff, and well, sometimes and you know be. about
0: vice right pulling out yeah and and and, yes. and and saying why. Well, boy, he got roasted for some of that. I read some of the comments <laughs> online, which you never should do because all it does is make your blood pressure go up. To hear other Christians yeah. roasting him for leaving the SBC.
2: Well, you know, and, and I think that's um you know, that's something that we have to chalk up to, um, number one, you you know, number one, God's providence. He's taking care of the direction this stuff's going, but what we have to do as those led in the spirit is go with our conscience. And so if we are led, uh, to think, and, and and so I was going to preface this from the stuff that we've said kind of about SBC stuff. Um, you know, I have a lot of dear friends, family members and stuff that are still in SBC and they may always be and i have no problem with that.
1: Sure, we're um, still part of the SBC.
0: We are too. Our tons. church is, even though yeah. it leans reform.
2: Yeah, tons tons of people. So, i don't have anything just <clears throat> objectively uh, against SBC. I love the SBC. I mean, uh, you know, when you're looking at if i had to go, you know, denomination or something, i mean, that's that would be the one that i would have to that i would have to go with um you know, just historically. And then, and around here, the churches that we have and the people that I know, just so many great people involved in it. Um, but it's, it's kind of one of those things where, um, I mean, it's a little bit different, probably me looking from the outside, but when I wasn't, when I was still going to SBC churches and stuff, it's one of those things where you're doing, you're, you're trying to keep yourself in check, you mm-hmm. know? And so saying these things and, and rocking the boat a little bit, is kind of like, trying to make sure that, hey, let's hope we're not over—you guys aren't overlooking this stuff. Like, we're going to make some noise a little bit so that you see, hey, this stuff needs to be addressed. We need to make sure we don't just close our eyes and pretend this stuff doesn't exist. Like Um, Pastor Tom Buck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he don't back down. So so if Josh Bison, you know, if uh, they—I mean, I think— I don't think there's an, I don't think there's, we, 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 again, we like, we like things easy. So we want that black and white and we want there to be a yes or no. We want there to be, but that's rarely the things work out the way things work out, especially, uh, when you're talking about, you know, spiritual matters Uh and there's different timing, there's different things going on. And so the situation that they're in and, um, his leadership, not only in the church and G3 and some of these other things. It, if he feels uh, convictionally led to do that, that's kind of uh, you know. I think it'd be you know a, a lot of your reformers and guys, right? Would would say, well, even Spurgeon, that you're going against, you're actually sinning to go against what your spiritual convictions are. Sure. So, so you you know, I mean, you and you do that with wisdom. I don't mean that you know flippant kind of decisions, but that's the kind of thing with guys um, like we were talking about down at Founders and. Um, I think that's, uh, and you know, in the Paul Washer coming down, the reason is these guys, um, these guys are calling a spade a spade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're very, they're very gifted men. They're calling a spade a spade. They're not coming at looking down from an ivory tower. I mean, the last time I, not, uh, not this past year, but the year before, um, I think they were doing some filming for. Uh, Voted being on was it Uncle Tom? Maybe some segments on that, or was it one of the other? Um, was it one of the other documentaries? I can't remember what the, which one they were filming. But remember, so did you little, watch by Watch standard? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: that was fantastic, man.
2: Oh, really, really good. Um, I don't the,
0: know this uh, thing you're talking about about Uncle
1: Tom. I don't either. I'm. I'm, 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 I'm. This first. I
2: remember, I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. That they were they were coming along with him, and maybe it was for uh, another documentary. Um, whether it's come out yet. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, maybe it was a, I can't remember if there was a future by what standard, I can't remember what they were working on, but he had that group with him who was filming some small stuff to go into that. And, uh, yeah, I remember just walking out there and him sitting over there in the van with a couple of those guys. Now the event's small enough, right? where it's not like you're in Atlanta where you couldn't just do that and be sitting right outside the church without people just inundating you or whatever. Yeah. Uh, which G three is not a church, but, um, that's where he was out there. And I just stood out there with a couple of them. He's got his shoes off, man, my feet are killing me, you know, and we're just sitting there talking. I mean, just normal as can be. Um, Tom, Tom Buck, normal as can be. I've, I've, um, with the, um, the conference that was at, um, at Grace over there, and well, it wasn't in Conway Baptist, but last year, um, I'm am going blank on the name, but Owen Strain and yeah, you know, yeah. Jeff Johnson, well, and Conrad. James was White better, was there
0: um, in, this week, this this yeah. past week, yeah,
2: yeah. So we, so I went over to that one and stayed with uh, Quattro Nelson, Alan Nelson, Alan Nelson the Fourth. If you see him there on Twitter and stuff, yeah. Um, and so we we, we had an engage, they had an engagement uh, at a church the night before, and so and so I was staying with uh, Quattro and. Uh, and so Tom Askell's coming over there, and we got, we're taking Tom Askell out to eat before that event. Tom Askell sits right, which I had met him before. That, that, that's why I'm really quick to defend these guys when I see some stuff on Twitter. I don't go looking for it, but is because if you have not sat beside these guys or talked to these guys, these are completely down-to-earth, normal, God-loving guys. I mean, I'm telling you, so normal. I mean, it's not, not an ounce of looking down towards somebody they don't know. To, I mean, just sit there and eat their, eat their buttered rolls right beside well, you and have a conversation just like well, you've known them.
1: An interesting thing with so, me was there was a question. This arose on Twitter. But instead of reaching out on Twitter, I wanted to reach out. Me and you talked yesterday. I'd rather talk somebody on the phone. Yeah. And I called Pastor Tom Buck. <laughs> I called his office, left him a voicemail. I won't disclose the matter of the conversation, but there was something that had been said. I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to share it with our elders. But you know, as we as we move forward and we look forward with this, never expected a call back because you know we kind of see the guy, these guys in one light. As here they are, we're at a small 150, church, 100, 150 person church, and they're at a church in Texas the next day. Had a call back and had a forty-five minute conversation with one of the nicest human beings I've ever talked to, and and since then have been remained in contact with him about hey this is what's going on, give me some feedback what are you hearing because he is more connected I guess you could say with the SBC he's more aware yeah. there, there's things that happen coming from an SBC church that gets swept under the rug but if I'm sending if we're sending that co-op money as a church we kind of want to know what's going on here.
0: Well, he is one of those guys that I would like like to have a conversation with on the show. Oh, someday. and and
1: there was another thing. Like you like you were talking about. I think people like Tom, like Vody, will talk to people like us because they realize they we're all the same here.
0: Well, James White was on a show uh, back in uh, November of last year because a guy just reached out to him on Twitter and said, "Hey, I do a podcast. Here's a co- here's a copy of one of my shows. Would you like to be on?" And then he mentioned in one of his episodes, "I've got to cut it short today cuz I'm about to be on somebody
1: else's podcast." They're all down there. They yeah. they and don't forget it. Yeah, and I think that's no. what all of us need to remember.
2: Yeah, yeah. They're they're, you know, it, it'd be one thing that the, the flack that they catch um, with if they were elitist ivory tower guys. I've got too much better, but I mean these are these are average guys in the sense of they're not above. They don't place themselves above you. Who are who are saying making the tough stances taking the positions that are never going to be culturally accepted. They're not never going to be socially accepted. No. You know, and they're going to they're take them, and whatever comes of that is what comes of that. They're called to be local pastors, to be these things, and they are going to uh, help the denomination, help the church at large how they can, but they have their priorities straight, I think, um, and they show that. And they catch all sorts of flack for it because sure. it's it's uh, we live in a we live in a evangelical world which I almost hate to use that word I do not anymore uh, you know you go back and you you go back and look at Martin Lloyd Jones what is an evangelical uh, and and you look at the word fundamentalist those have been hijacked mm-hmm. and those oh, yeah. should be great terms right those are great terms and but now they're pejorative right. And so a great man like B.B.
0: Warfield would have considered himself a fundamentalist, and today we can't use yeah. that term because now we do it – when I said it earlier, I said it in a derogatory manner because fundamentalism has just become
1: – Legalism.
0: Yeah, legalism to the extreme. You,
2: you, know, you, know, you know where the term fundamentalist comes from, right? Go ahead. So R.A. Torrey and them had a series uh, – a interdenominational mm. – um, printings back in the early 1900s called the fundamentals of yes, the faith. I do. I uh, probably got the name wrong. I know a lot of the printings you'll see, it just says the fundamentals. It, a lot of them but just say the went, fundamentals
0: on the cover. Yeah.
2: Yep. And so they were going through all the fundamentals of the Christian faith and they were in different denominations, these guys writing it. Um, and so that I've is, actually
0: read it. My dad had it. <laughs>
2: had it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so, so a lot of people think you know, I don't know what they think when they hear the word fundamentalist. They probably, of course, think just of a modern pejorative term. But it was the same thing as evangelical, right? We hold to these biblical standards and basis, and that's and, what it means. And it was
0: Christian. a reaction against the liberalization of the Episcopal Church, uh, the Lutheran Church, and the, and the, and already to some degree certain parts of the of, of the Presbyterian Church and certain Baptist crit- denominations. Exactly. And they were saying, no, we believe in miracles. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. I don't know that they used that word. I can't remember. But uh, things like that. It's the things that we, I mean, we, all three of us would sit here and go, absolutely, we affirm that. Yeah. yeah. But what, where, what, where fundamentalism went, went wonky within Baptists is when it got into this sort of, well, we're pulling out of the SBC and we're going to become our own little thing where we just associate with other people who won't be in the SBC because they're too liberal, they're too mainstream." And we're stricking, we're not going to use any translation of the King James. It's and they they took what was remember the split in the eighteen hundreds between the uh, the uh, don't 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 move the, the go the signpost, what is that? The called? landmark. The landmarks. Between landmark yeah, yeah. Baptists and mainstream Southern Baptists, that division created the independent Baptist movement is what it is. But then the, oh, sure. the secondary independent Baptist movement came out of the nineteen thirties and I forget the man's name, who was literally a good guy. But he yeah. was seeing a problem in some of the couple of the seminaries, and he and he talked about it at the Southern Baptist Convention, and they threw him out. And yeah. so, but the people that follow him today, oh, they're radical. They're very radical. Yeah. And I think it's yeah, a segregated and- sort of thing as well. There's a lot, as a hint of racism, and other issues involved in that. Uh, yeah. I hate to call it that, but I'm going to call a spade a spade. I came out Boy. of that, so I know that yeah. movement.
2: There yeah, is yeah. very much a and racist so, and movement it's a, in there. That's that's just where a lot of the of those terms have been kind of uh, been kind of uh, downgraded as far as their usefulness, which they shouldn't be. Well, but they're but culturally e- hijacked.
0: Think about it. W- what do yeah. we say instead of just saying extremists? We now use the term fundamentalist to describe a jihadi Muslim who steals an airplane or whatever, right? So they yeah. use the term fundamentalist. That's a Christian term, like you said, from the late nineteenth, early twentieth century. And it's been hijacked by the mainstream media to say, "Well, you're a fundamentalist, so you must be anti-vax. You must be this. You're xenophobic. You're homophobic. You're racist. You know, hate women." And, and,
2: and as it relates, as it relates to the the religion itself, I think the implications are um, it are you, you're a fundamentalist, so you hold to the fundamentals, which their implication is, oh, whether they use that for Muslim, Christian, right? It's it's an extremist, yeah, and so they want they want to take uh, you know coin like they'll tend to do with the fundamentals with, like, independent Baptists, right? Just like they will with the the the, the Muslims who the jihad and the and the um, and the bombs and the this and that. And so what they want you to think is that if you with if you hold to the fundamentals, right? Now this is the the pagan world, right? The right. pagan media, the pagan whoever. Uh, they want you to think if you hold to the fundamentals of that religion, then you hold t- to what the Independent Baptists hold to, or whatever, because they think that oh, look, you're you're just crazy. You just women can't wear pants, and you. But but see now, they want to connect these two things with oh, and you believe in a in a six day literal creation. <laughs> see, they want to take yeah. all the crazy, the craziest things, and and go and and stick them with the action, the real. Biblical realities and go see how crazy all this is. You're a fundamentalist, yeah. which, you know, that's what they want to do. I mean, that's the goal of kind of that's where kind of your higher criticism. That's where your progressivism. That's where all this stuff, you know, just pagan the, the pagan world. Uh, that's kind of where they want to push everything so that a Christian is not just a normal guy that you can have a conversation with who holds to all these things. But as your neighbor and you love him and whatever, they don't want you to think of, of Christians that way. So you're a fundamentalist. You're over here.
0: You have to be the, the other, you know, yeah. and then they want to segregate. You know, well, I can't be friends with someone like you because, and, I, and I'll use an example. Um, this kind of hypocrisy occurs. Um, pastor friend of ours was, was talking one day and he, and he mentioned that uh, in his business that he owns, that he did some work for someone where he told them in advance how much it was going to cost. They said, fine. He said, it's not worth it. You should just get something else. And they're like, no, I want you to do it. He does the work, and it's mechanics on a, on an import car. And then the the person has a fit afterwards and gets rude with him and arrogant. And he's like, and, and treats him bad and says bad things to him. And he says, I told you in advance this is what was going to be. You told me to do it. Did I do anything yep. wrong? Did I do anything other than what you asked? And the person said, no. Well, a few weeks later, this person shows up and apologizes for mistreating him. Not because this woman mistreated another human being, because she found out he's he's a doctor, a doctorate. He's higher educated, like her. Yeah. This is a college professor, and so she says, "I didn't know you were a doctor. What difference did it make?"
2: Yeah, what what <laughs> you should know?
0: matter? I don't I don't care if you're. <laughs> A different denomination. I don't care if you're, if you're an outright pagan, like you're into Wiccan and all that other stuff. I don't care about any of that. You are an image bearer of God, and because of that, I'm going to treat you as a human being, and I'm not going to just make you the other. Okay? Whether straight or gay or anything else. It doesn't mean I'm going to compromise my convictions on, any, on anything and, and not yep. call a sin a sin, correct? But I'm going to treat yeah. you well. The, during the time of the early church and the, earliest expan- the greatest expansion of the church in the Roman Empire, what were they seen as? Weirdos. When a plague would hit, they would go and minister to those people. If there was a doctor who was a Christian, he'd take his whole family, go to that village, and minister to those people by dealing with their health needs. Sometimes they'd put themselves at risk and they died from it. They got the plague as well, correct? But yeah. people said, wow, what is this? So Romans would expose their babies and throw them out, you know, infanticide, uh, post, post-birth abortion essentially. And what would those Christians do? They, those mothers would go get those babies and take them back to their ha- house and raise them as their own child and raise them mm-hmm. up in, in Christianity. They saw these people as totally different. That's yep. our mission field, folks. It's, it's not just debating certain things amongst each other and, well, you're not my denomination, you're not this. No, our, we, need to, we need to hold fast to the fundamentals of the faith. Anyone that's got, like you said, the fundamentals of the faith is a brother or sister in Christ. Then what we do when we go into the world? We disciple people. We we preach the gospel. You're not going to get people saved by, quote, and just living missionally. That's not what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, but if yeah. you don't live missionally, you're a hypocrite at the same time. So don't Absolutely. be hypocritical. Practice what you preach, but you do need to preach. You are not just yeah. going to win somebody by being the best employee. I've heard this stuff before. Be the best employee at the at the place where you work. Okay, fine, but you still have a right to stand up for yourself. It's not saying yeah. that. The Bible never said you... When you turn the other cheek, that you, that you, that you never defend yourself. I mean, we're told to defend ourselves. Um, yeah.
2: The, yeah, and and you know, you know, people today, you know, the 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 issue with with um, you know these guys, these pastors that we're talking about and stuff, is the the, the popular, the easy thing today is to is to uh, you know write an article for one of these uh, journals online, but you know, Christianity today or this or that, and take the more social position, not the Christian position, or at least compromise, that stuff's okay but you get guys who just stand up, that's why it sounds like that's why it sounds like for a lot of people, oh you know Brother Paul Washer, he's just he's harsh, he hits it hard you know, Brother Vody, he just, I mean he lays it out there, well it's just because I think we've gotten so used to people being either overly nice about it or being naive about the way the situation is. And so when you look at, um, you'll see a lot of terminology, um, even in, even in modern times, even with amongst cessationists, you know, so to speak of what isn't a, what, you know, if we're talking about, prophecy and stuff like that, not new revelation in the context of post-apostolic, but you'll see a lot of reference to prophecy being that the godly men use their wisdom and the spirit leads them to foresee not, not new revelation, but I get what just saying. to be wise to the problems that are on the horizon. Right.
0: Look, I'm going to say something. Guys like John MacArthur were talking about some things that are happening in our, in our, in our world today 30 years ago. 40 years ago.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: In that sense, they're a prophet. They were proclaiming this truth and saying, this is where we're headed. And now it's happened. And they're living through it. And it it happened in their lifetime. So guess what? That makes them actually a biblical prophet (laughs) because it did come true, right? But they could see, like you said, through godly wisdom, through spirit-led study and devotion to the Bible and the faith, that that's what they had. Guys like Vody, okay? I love them. But do to know why? Convictional and missional preaching. They're preaching to their flocks but people can get saved because of that as well. The way they preach, and it's powerful preaching because they don't compromise. And I think that's the issue. You were talking about the, yeah. the, the radicalism that they're actually practicing is that they are, they don't compromise, but, and that's never popular to dude. be an uncompromising person. Doesn't mean you're not a good man. I, I've look, I've seen Vody talk, you know, online. I've never met the man, but I'm just saying I've seen him where he's just having conversations. He's funny. He's he's very <laughs> affable. He's a good guy and a family man. And it's like. No, he's not just stiff and wooden, but he's on a mission because God called him to do some things proclaim yeah. his word.
1: Roy, you said firsthand, I was run off for not capitulating. Yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, that's honestly what happened. Really? Well, the, I was, yeah. The
0: problem is expository preaching. So
1: yeah, I, it I'm is a,
0: not popular. Okay.
2: Yeah, that's and prob- a good, that's it. I'll, I'll be run off for that. That's good. Yeah. I'm
1: that's, fine with that. Essentially, that <laughs> when. Man, I'll share this. When COVID hit online, I was doing at night, and so we started walking through the Book of James, verse by verse. Apparently, the end of chapter one hit a few nerves, (laughs) and uh, we call it the sermon heard around the world. world. It was it was the first Uh, shot because it was. And I when I left, I was like, I I I was I was happy. You know, I thought, man, that was great. (laughs) Yes, sir. I, got a, I got a couple phone calls that uh, quickly tell me otherwise. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, look, that's the thing, and I guess that's what it boils down to. If you're going to speak the truth, speak the truth in love, and do it according to the Scripture, um, you will be hated. And the reason is because the world hated Christ, right? When he was here on the earth, yeah. they still hate him. And what did Jesus promise his disciples and those that were to come after Uh, They will hate you for my sake. Don't think you'll escape what the... The slave doesn't get to escape what the master goes through, right? Uh, If the master's in trouble or has an economic downturn, who has an economic downturn or a disaster? The slave, because he's part of that household. We're the household of God, the household of Christ. We will experience what he's experienced. You will have trouble in this life, right? And I'll share yeah, with you, kind of. There's no
2: need to. Uh, there's no need to apologize for scripture. Absolutely, Absolutely.
0: never. It's your
2: scripture will fight for itself. Right? That's right. Scripture will prove itself. But you're not called to back down and finish no. fine when the rubber meets the road. I, That's I, what you call the
0: But power. the mission of your the mission of your website and the mission of this podcast and our really pathetic website that we need to update. Yeah, we is, really need to kind of get is, that going. It's terrible. Is to do that right? We, we our yeah. motto
1: is. Um, I've already forgot. I said it at the beginning of the show. Uh, oh, you you want a funny story on that that <laughs> low, that that what we said? We had a kind of a motto that I just kind of wrote one day. We were sitting there. And, uh, we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed as revealed in His, his word. word. In
0: other words, to be biblical.
1: Yeah. So Roy says it one day, introducing the podcast, very first podcast episode. He says it, and I said, "Hey, that's pretty good. Where'd you get that?" He goes, "You wrote it. It's on I'm the like, website." Oh, my bad. I did. I saw it yeah. on the homepage of the website. I <laughs> thought that that's really good, Chael, I like that. And uh, seeking to. <laughs> Seeking to reveal that the truth of God is revealed in his word. Yeah. Because, and I think that needs to be the center of all of our focus. There's, um, Phil Johnson said it. We don't need to dull down the sharp edges of the gospel. And I always like what he says, too, is God is not an action, or a Gumby action figure that we can mold and shape any way we want. And Todd Friel plays that quote all the time. But it's yep. true. Yep. Just because we don't like it doesn't mean it's not a scriptural truth.
0: I forget who I was listening to yesterday on a podcast that they were talking about an article uh, in England on an, in a paper or magazine about um, God is God is becoming liberal. Maybe it was Al Mueller on the briefing. I don't know, but somebody was talking yeah. about God is. Be- it was Al Mueller. God is becoming liber- liberal, and he's like, first off, God is. Immutable and eternal, <laughs> yeah. so he doesn't become anything. He doesn't learn. He doesn't yeah. grow. He doesn't God, change.
2: God is. There is no verb after that. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right. And
0: he quotes from the scripture where, where God is proclaiming to Israel, "You've not been be- destroyed because I keep my word. <laughs> you deserve yeah. destruction, but I don't change, and my promises were eternal." So,
2: <laughs> and and so when we when we look at it that way, and we see we see God unchanging. We see him firm that people, you know, a lot of times, um, whether we're going back to translation stuff or whether we're going back to whatever people um, that's where people struggle. Right. Is is they run into these verses or they have a preferred rendering of verses that uses particular words that when they use that word does not um, does not show you what scripture intended. There's a lot of people who like to play word games with scripture, right? And so they'll go they'll say, But look, look at this verse. It says this. They're trying to of course they're trying to proof text against Calvinism or whatever. And look, it says this word. Okay. Well let's see, let's let's go back, you know, let's play this little challenge, this little intellectual challenge game where we go back and now let's read it in King James. Let's read the Geneva Bible and let's read like Greek interlinear and let's see did that word the way that you modern interpret that word is that the basis for what that means? Ninety-nine times out of hundred, it's not because they're they they need that one word to mean what we use it as today right. to try to get into get into something. But the same foundation of of all this is um, is you know that we is how bad we are at understanding scripture at 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 um, at trying to. Um, see God unchangeable in his ways. And and the reason I brought that up is because we see, we see, um, kind of anthropomorphic language used with God in that we, we are, we are like God. God is not like us. So when we see things revealed in scripture that use terminology that we can understand, that seems to, uh, refer to us, that does not mean that God is like us, but it is a way to, for him to reveal himself, for sure. us to understand it. And so people struggle with that when they go, uh, you know, you can get into the KJV only stuff where it's, oh, but look, God repented. So that means that, that he changed and he, he had to change his mind. He had to do as if he had not known, foreknown, predestined that he said he was going to do one thing, and by grace he was not going to do that, and he was going to be long-suffering in it. But people struggle with that, but when we look at God, an unchanging God, then naturally Scripture must be – God's Word must be unchanging, and it must be firm. And see, that's the problem with us today, just like the article you're talking about, is – is. If it's not God we're trying to change, it's the meaning of what He said needs to change. Absolutely. But the reality is, hopefully, we'll continue to be—you know, God, God willing—we'll be uh, here uh, decades later, since, until you know, Lord Terry's right, until but until He comes, um, we will be here saying the same thing, no matter how cult- culturally inappropriate or whatever you want to say it is. That doesn't mean anything. And you know that doesn't what? mean anything to scripture.
0: I know because, because the Bible proclaims it, that, you know, I'm building my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There will always be that remnant. There will always be a group of, of men, women, and children who are dedicated and serving the Lord, and they will not, as Chalyn said, round out the rough smooth out the rough edges of scripture so when something is called a sin they will proclaim it as a sin will it mean they get their heads chopped off for it maybe but it there will always be people that will do that and i'm grateful for people like that and i'm i'm grateful to have met you today and to have had this conversation because i think you're trying to do a little bit of that yourself you're keeping the history of the church alive through what you do and I want to commend you for that. I really do. I think it's great. And it's, I'm going to
2: tell you— it's, it's not about me. It's not about me though. No, 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 but, no, but I'm I don't just care saying, if, no. I don't care if you know my name exactly. or anything, but if you just get something out of it that that helps you on your way, you know, I'm a big fan of like Spurgeon was I'm a big fan of Bunyan and Pilgrim's Progress and stuff. And you know, if you can be if you can be that hopeful or that helpful along the way and kind of walking beside somebody and helping direct them you know where to. I mean, I need people like that in my life, right? Yeah. We all do. But if you can be there to help lead people and 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 maybe not fall into this marsh and this pitfall here and not go down and to and to help guide them, you know, the scripture tells us the narrow way is the narrow way. Yeah, the broad way is the way to destruction. So, we we want as I think true Bible believing Christians. We want, and as and as I would say, a staunch, you know, Calvinist as such, who's who believes in evangelism, which were never incompatible with one another. No, um, you know, we want the narrow <laughs> way to be no less broad than it can be. Right? We want the narrow way to be as broad as narrow is. Yeah, we're still. Con- we don't want to. We don't want to start restricting no. the narrow way even more, even more by layering on these. You need to do this. Don't go to the movie theater. Keep your hair good this way. I mean, we understand that there are biblical implications to these things. Biblical realities.
0: There are moral standards that we need to follow. Yeah. Sure, but that doesn't need yeah. to be our only thing that we preach.
1: Yeah, that and teach. Yeah, yeah. That goes. Both ways, like you're saying, we don't need to narrow it and we don't need to broaden it any wider than you know exactly. It can't,
2: can't be broader than narrow, right? No, so, so God's standard in, in, in how we come to Him and who comes to Him is above our pay grade, right? Absolutely, right. That's, what, that's what He's responsible for. But we go about it and we say, Hey, the, the, the narrow way, like we've mentioned earlier in the podcast, the it's not, it's never the easy way. And we we know that we must labor on for the Master, right, until He comes. And so we are laboring, and, and that's just part of it. Is just if we can help people, if we can give somebody, um, you know, some some good theological resources, if we can point them in direction, if we can guide them in doctrine and theology, and just help walk beside them through the seasons of life. That's the goal. I don't care if they know me. I, I hope that one day we all get to, you know. We'll be rejoicing together and get to meet all the people that you somehow sent somebody. Some uh, they bought a mug here, they bought a shirt there. But in the scheme of things, I'm not worried about those. I'm just hope, ho- hopeful that it makes our journeys a little more joyful by yeah, having sure by having sure. things that, that liven up our our day.
1: Well. I know this is. We're gonna to have to have you back on yeah. if you're okay with that, because this has been fantastic. Yeah, been awesome. I wish I would have had this before, because we did a kind of a round table with some friends on eschatology. He, he would have been a fantastic one. <laughs> that's true. To have on that, because we had a, just a, hey, it was a couple hours, but it, it was it a was lot fun. of fun. It was fun. You know, and because we had none of us agreed with none, none of us are the same. You know, oh, that, j- we had a good friend. It's post millennial. Yeah. Roy is, uh, pre-millennial. Is, is pre-millennial. I, I, I lean heavily on millennial and uh, our youth pastor. he has been a youth pastor. He he is really what he calls himself a pan-millennial. He said because he's he reads all these, and he said I can see a lot of truths in all of them. Uh, all, I don't, I
2: know, all I know is it's going to pan out in the end. Yeah, right?
1: yeah, pretty, yeah, and, and pretty much, and and you know he, and that's from years of study and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, but it was a really good conversation. Now I wish you know.
0: And look, I do want to let you know I'm not dispensationalist. I'm not one of those kind of people. Okay, I am.
2: Oh no, I mean I I, I um, I've got uh, you know like my cousin and stuff. I mean that are uh, dispensational, and I I really am not. Um, I'm really not against it in, in in its in your more historical sure you know kind of form your historical like premillennial type stuff um, you you know you go through the the reformers and you go through Puritan stuff dispensations is talked about by even the covenantal that's right sure right? that's right
0: it's kind it's of just, another way of saying it in a way
2: yeah it's just how we're it's how we're viewing it what we're making the basis of our interpretation and I don't think things that they uh, I don't think everything until you start getting to some of the extreme stuff. If you're just in the very fundamental, especially the, the MacArthur leaky dispensational stuff, I love um, that term. you know, some people have some really uh, just really big issues with it and stuff. And that's not how I identify it. But I'm telling you is. The the stuff that you garner from hearing preaching under somebody, there's still so much to gain. Even in where you disagree in those places, because why? Because you're all drawing it from Scripture. So, it if you don't leave Scripture, if you don't start—that's right. If you don't start taking something from Scripture and adding your flavor and spices to it, if you're just taking it from Scripture and trying to be faithful, it doesn't matter if you disagree on these points. What you preach and what you teach will still lead you. In, in, well, you, well know, you know when, the, when you look right, amongst
0: right. the people that we've talked about today, some of the people that and you've met a few of them and different things or heard them preach. Um, <laughs> sorry, excuse me. When it comes to um, whether it was the idea, you know, their eschatology, a they're lot all of, different. They're all different.
1: There's yeah. a broad range. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, and <laughs> and, and, you, and yet they they love each other. They're brothers. They'll get around and and aggravate each other about it sometimes. You know, you've got you got James White who was a premillennialist. Then he was a millennialist, and now he's post millennialist. You've got you've got guys like um, Tom Buck's pre millennial. Yeah, uh, James uh, Jan, uh, John MacArthur, pre millennial. Vody a millennial. I mean, it's kind of well. Know, you
1: <laughs> even look at uh, what is the name of the church that Tom is a pastor at? Pastor Tom uh, Tom, uh, Tom Buck. Um, is
2: G- glen- uh,
1: glen- or is it? He's there with Glendale.
2: With pastor
1: Gabe. He, is it uh, Glendale? Uh, <laughs> Wait, anyway, what I, I was because,
2: going to say, correct me if I'm wrong,
1: if I yeah. may be wrong at this, but you know, you got Pastor Tom that is pre-millennial, and if I'm not mistaken, remembering back on the podcast Gabe Hughes does, and if you're not listening to that, man, you got to tune into that, the the the, the what podcast, WWUTT, uh, when we yeah, understand the right. text, or WWUTT, um, and Gabe Hughes is all millennial, if I'm not, if I'm thinking right and then they did an eschatology study uh, and i heard James White talking about this so they had Tom Buck taught on whatever night it was sunday night or wednesday night and he taught pre-millennial. premillennial and then i think Gabe Hughes taught amillennial and i if if i'm saying Ga- gabe hughes is wrong but i think that's if i remember right podcast and then they brought in James White to teach postmillennial <laughs> and and i have always said i love that and i've always said if different you teach perspectives revelation and you did this when you taught through Revelation, teach there's different views of that book. You know, there's different views of it the chapter. It was
0: hard to do it that way, being where I was at. But I did try to introduce them to other things because I was pretty sure many of them didn't know what it, what the different terminologies were or why they believe what they believe. So when I would get to a certain verse, I'd say, and this is where the amillennialists would say this, and this is where a postmillennialist believes this. Now, I'm, of, all the, of all the groups the one that I'm the least likely to believe myself
1: is post millennialism. It's traditional
0: post-millennialism. same here. Now, now there's a a type of post-millennialism today that's a little different and closer to amillennialism and uh, is um, of the type of such as uh, Durbin and um, uh, James James White White and others and the guy that wrote that massive book – that uh, well, John Cooper talks about a lot. Well, John Cooper's post millennial, but anyway, uh, from Skillet, I don't know if you know who John Cooper is. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah I, yeah. I follow his stuff, and he he's post millennial, and and um, it's like I'm like, what am I am I missing something here? Because I'm not. Po- Some of the guys I like the most well, are post millennial, and I'm not. You know, I just
2: I, you, you have to you have to look. Uh, you know, a, a helpful thing, not to give you an answer, but yeah, uh, a, about that. But a, a helpful thing, you know, with eschatology and I'm I'm not uh, the expert on any of this stuff uh, and I don't pretend to be but one of the helpful things is looking throughout history and you could even try to take your macro lens and look at today but if you look throughout history the environment and what was going on often drove some of the views over some of the others. Now, of course, some of those hadn't existed in those forms together, like we have so much today Correct with print and thought. But, but if you look at a lot of the stuff, um, you know, when, when things are going through, if you had, if you had just been there, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure they weren't having this, these exact discussions, but if you had been there literally right after the fall of Jerusalem, would you have a particular eschatology when you watched happen what was said? Right. And then and then, you know, let's go to medieval um, Europe, the plague or the reformers. Right. Yeah. Let's go to the, the reformers age and see stuff. And, and we're looking at um, what the you know, the, you know, the popery of, you know, eleven hundred uh, A.D. to fifteen sixty and, and seeing some of the travesties and stuff that were going on and. Um, a lot of this stuff kind of influences it. So, but it's a an, an interesting thing, something that I've um, kind of is always on my mind. That is, um, and I think sometimes it's it's like I challenge people to do. It. I challenge people to do it with, with these type of things. And this is just from a, my my personal opinion. Um, is I say um, when we're looking at scripture, let's look at um, let's look at. Um, you know, ha- try to have some kind of understanding. Well, of perceptive and creative will. Now, 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 some y- there are some really good guys, AW Pink and stuff, who will say no, it doesn't split up that way. But they'll <laughs> just look at it more of um, from kind of a predestinarian standpoint. Um, but but also to to come in and look at um, is this. Um, is this a description or is this verse a prescription? Yeah. Right? So we go through a lot of things and we read things that are descriptions of who are Christians. And people will turn that into re- more more of the understanding being a prescription of what you need to do. And they w- then will derive from that, okay, then our natural ability is that we can do X, Y, and Z. When that was a description of Christians, not a well, Absolutely. you yourself just do X, yes. Y, Z. Absolutely. And, and so that's you're the first you're, thing. you're moving
0: because when you take that the other way, you're moving into Pelagianism. Yeah, idea that We exactly. have a little so, bit of the divine in us, and we, if we are, if we are are wise, and and God gave us this mind that we can use. We can actually develop a mind that will seek God because we will want what's best, right? We will want to be moral people because God God wow. gave that little spark into everyone. That's not, but that's not what he's, the Bible says. He's the got a book. Bible says, well. even in Jeremiah, the heart of man
2: is—he's looking for a. For he's a got quote, a book. Is deceitfully <laughs> wicked above all else, and who can know
0: it, right? And uh, so,
2: so if you if you saw, open up the little plan of salvation by BB Warfield, B. Warfield. He, he's got a. Uh, He's got an order of decree. Now, I'm not saying that this is perfectly everything's right about it, but what he's how helpful it is oh. in what oh, he's yeah. trying to do. I love charts. So he's he, he's. I can send you a picture of this, but it's on uh, like page 30 of the book. But he basically goes through and shows you with the order of decrees, it, it breaks it down, and and basically it's kind of it goes along the chart, um, and you're looking at naturalistic over here. Then, so you're, you're you're basically bifurcating supernatural versus natural. As far as the order of decrees by the different beliefs, right? Then you're looking at, you know, your sacerdotal, your versus your evangelical, mm-hmm. right? And then you get more refined to what we're saying, more refined to what we believe biblically. Then you get into particularistic versus universalistic, right? Kind of your general Baptist versus your particular Baptist, but, and but it's the same kind of thing. What we're talking about all these <coughs> elements. If you get to even classical armenianism right Arminianism. you get you're, you're you're drawing in elements and and especially this stuff today this um um what is it
0: uh are you talking about provisionalism um,
2: yeah 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 provisionism so, oh, so yeah. It, all, all of it, what it does is it pulls in elements of naturalism it's not completely naturalism but it's but it's pulling things which come from pelagianism and these uh naturalistic uh, type of ideologies and so, um, but that is, but that's, but that's basically what it is, right? Is is um, that's? Just, I just wanted to reference because that that's a great little chart. I've never seen one. You didn't like, run him off.
1: Like, he needs coffee. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, no. He no, needed no, a no,
1: refill. No. You didn't run him off. He needed a refill <laughs> real quick. No, no you. <laughs> you know,
2: outside of uh, of that, which I tend to, you know, I want i try to do myself so i tell other people hey is this when you're reading scripture is this not that they can't be somewhat of both but is this more prescriptive or descriptive when we're understanding the um, the words of christ the words of the apostles you know how how is that intended to be understood
1: I, that is honestly and, one of our favorite sayings you got to remember is this prescript that's good is that prescriptive or descriptive? Because we've got to answer that before we understand how to handle this.
2: Oh, yeah. Jared, would you we, like we, some we, coffee? We look at, you know, Christ talking to the apostles, and we see some of these words or some of these phrases, um, and we see description. Well, if you read that as a here, uh, not only is it half the time the things that Christ says to the apostles gets taken as like Christ saying to an unregenerate person. Yeah. <laughs> it's taken out of, out of context, but, um, you run into those issues, but the other thing is, and this kind of goes the, into the world of eschatology and things is, I, I mean, not directly, but it's, it's broadly is taking a look at scripture and, and understanding, you know, making a mental note of physical versus spiritual. And so, you know, there's, there's so many elements of scripture that there's a duality in right. So mm-hmm. there's there's physical. There there's there's a physical reality, with spiritual implications. Sure. And so when and and so that's one of the things when it comes to you know eschatology. And again, I'm not I'm no authority on that whatsoever. But is that reading that interpretation and thing just like other parts in the Bible is? Are we reading? Are we reading a, a purely physical? Are we really reading a purely spiritual? And, uh, oh, yeah, there you
0: go. I also have books with charts, and they're old.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah.
1: You know, I think another, to to piggyback what you're saying, I think a lot of people that have problems, too, is, I think one of the best ways it's ever been described to me me is when we're reading Scripture, we have to concentrate on crossing that bridge to take ourselves from this world back to their world and that original writer to the original audience. And I think some people today forget that, and they run what you're saying – there's a scriptural application or a spiritual application. I'm saying, and they run to it, but they forget the context, and so they get the spiritual aspect of it wrong because they forgot the context. Does that make does that making sense? Yeah, yeah. Or and you, you yeah,
0: know and- that is one of the things that I think in the early Reformation they really began to start. They be they they sort of started the process of doing that, which was this idea of and it had become foreign to the church by this point through the medieval church and the Roman Catholic papacy is that everything had become allegorized. Let's mm-hmm. teach people, a, like you said earlier, a little lesson for the day, surface level.
1: Sermonet for Christianets.
0: Et, Sermonet for Christianets. And you have this little thing, that you, this little homily, in fact, homily and homiletics, that was that is one of the terms they used. And there was nothing deeper. They didn't say, okay, when, when this was being written, this was what was happening in the world, and this is what was going on, and this is what this author is addressing uh, for instance even in the prophets you can take the minor prophets and many of them you can really go wonky you know oh, yeah. for instance I do think sometimes dispensational premillennialism takes some of these prophecies and takes them out of context if you read them in their context they had a meaning for that day for those people i'm not saying it's not possible they could have a futuristic meaning because i think a lot of things have i've yeah, always there's, said there is no, a
2: there's a lot of things that have a there's have a, a plurality a, have a temporal
0: and a futuristic. That's right absolutely and you know for instance Out of Egypt I've called my son, referred to the calling of Israel, the nation of Israel, out of captivity. But Matthew lets us know that it had had another meaning, a significant meaning, that the Son of God was going to be in Egypt, sort of captive in a way to the sense of the political landscape, Herod the Great trying to kill kill him by killing all the young ones in, in Bethlehem, right? So he had to escape that, had to flee that persecution, and then he was called back out. He comes back and they, they, they land and they and they and they he's brought up in Nazareth, the village of Nazareth in Galilee. So <coughs> excuse me. So we we do see that. I've always said there's there's more than one more than one way to skin a cat when it comes to that that level. But what had happened, what began to happen, and Origen was one of the worst to do this, was they allegorized everything. And, you know, in, in the process, and that's one reason why I used to say, well, I won't be an amillennialist because guys like Origen were the ones that kind of influenced all that. But then, you know, you look at somebody like Augustine, and I don't consider him that wonky on most issues. Now, he was still part of the ecclesiastical yeah. church that became the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, it wasn't truly the Roman Catholic Church we think of today. No, uh, they no, weren't, no. They weren't worshiping Mary and things like that. It wasn't like that. And, and they, no. you know, they weren't giving dispensations for sins and all that. It wasn't, it hadn't, it wasn't what it would become. But guys like um, I'll say Luther to some degree, but but I'll get I won't go as much into Luther. I'm not a big student of Luther. I don't know as much about him, but you take your other guys, some of your other guys. Your Calvin and and Beza and some of these others, they truly did try to take. Okay, they, they were smart and they they had learned the languages, right? They did try to take that sort of polymath approach. Let's learn more than one language. Let's let's be able to read things from their original languages and let's take what we what we can get that's good from the medieval church. And let's discard yeah. Let's Let's put it in its context and discard what is not, and go back to basics, go back to the Bible, read it in its context, Go through it one word at a time, one verse at a time, yeah. until you get to where you can actually say, this is what the scripture says. And from that this is what it means. Don't read into it because they were saying you had some weird stuff and, I, and again, I do say some, groups even today still do this where they read things into the bible like one of the classic examples is taking the, the verse in psalms where it says and your words are, are pure words like silver tried in a furnace they take that to say it's about the king james translation it's not what it's about it's about god David's saying that god keeps his promises and he's promised to protect his his holy ones
2: <laughs> yeah well you know it's it's um one thing you can kind of glean from is that just throughout history um the, the level of intelligence and earthly knowledge is is no guarantee for being uh, for being scripturally correct mm. first of all. we know that the, it's it's only by the Holy Spirit that that he reveals these things to us correctly. so it's just because somebody at some point was smarter, knew five languages, whatever. I do think that those tend to be assets. To, to somebody but that alone there how many of how many of the uh the roman catholics you know who, who wrote and went through all this stuff we're not going to get into you know um thomas quinas and stuff today <laughs> but you know <laughs> when you get into a lot of this stuff how many of how many of those guys are just probably brilliant that's not that's not the recipe alone for understanding scripture correctly and and uh you know but the the, what's the common no because
0: professing themselves to be wise they became fools we have man has the ability to increase his intelligence and his knowledge base doesn't make him one bit wiser
2: no no and and but what's the common thread the common thread is being a student of scripture doesn't matter if you're iq's 160 or 90 right doesn't matter it's being the student of scripture and the holy spirit which is god's part of it not something we beckon when we will but but him working through us but we all of them were students of scripture and so um you know that's the that's some of the great mysteries i think about scripture that are that um i don't think i think it's kind of enjoyable because it keeps us in the scripture and makes us keep searching and when we have these differences that are all based upon the Bible, and we're continuing to try to test our beliefs when it comes to some of these, what we might call second or third issues, third order issues, you know, whatever. Um, when we look at these things, as long as we're holding this to the, to the fire, you know, to God's fire, and making sure that we're trying to melt off all the impurities. And we're just trying to be as faithful to Scripture as we can. We're not trying to push a system. We're not trying to push a denomination. We're just saying, hey, this is what Scripture is. This is me being as faithful as I can be to Scripture. That's where – I mean when we get to the other issues, I think no matter where you land on the good, reasonable, biblical positions, there's – I like to glean from all the people sure, from all sure. the different positions because there's so many wise smart guys who have so much to offer and and the thing is because it is scriptural even if even if the broader system may not be something that you agree agree with in totally Uh, you know, but the, when we, when you start going to the individual elements and you see them going verse by verse, the things that they're saying, although their application to the system is different than yours, you completely agree with.
0: Absolutely. We don't.
2: So that's the, that's the main thing for me in a lot of the stuff is to make, you know, when, when you can agree with the verse by verse, not necessarily in the broader system, but, but what. God, uh, what the Spirit gives us through understanding that and how that applies to us. The broader system kind of, regardless, I think we are all gleaning wonderful spiritual things from it.
0: There's the academic side of, of like you said, being a student of Scripture. You'll find people that have written great works that you can learn from that you might not actually go to the same type of church and you would find that some of their other personal views were much weirder than what you would imagine. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, you know, if you have the works of, of Karl Barth, you can still learn from it. If you have Bruce Metzger's yeah. stuff, you can still learn from it. It just doesn't mean you're going to necessarily agree with them on everything. Um, yeah. I, I want to say something, this is funny. I ran into, uh, uh, an attorney friend of mine the other day and you know her and she said, Hey Roy, I said, hey. She goes, how is the family and all that? Mm. And I said, you know, we talked. And she goes, when are you going to put out a podcast? We've not recorded since, was it, <laughs> was it New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve during the day. And uh, because of uh, various storms and weather issues and also scheduling, but also illness. Illness has run rampant in both of our families. So we've had COVID. Yeah, so We all had so, COVID. So there have been some issues. <laughs> and we haven't been able to get together. And uh, –
1: Took it a month ago. She said,
0: that. I miss it. Y'all, y'all haven't put out a lot of shows lately. And I said, No, I know. She said, but you're you're still doing it. I said, Oh, we're gonna record this weekend. <laughs> we're over two hours in our st- So and we
1: in all seriousness, we I said this apologize. Certain- no, 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 this we is want- awesome.
0: We wanna have you back
1: because this has been great. But I just wanna I'm gonna put in the show notes that we're back with a vengeance page. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but in all seriousness, we won't have you back now. We've got the Pilgrim's Coffer stuff out of the way. Now okay. we can sit down and talk some media theology, theology stuff.
0: And some good stuff. But yeah.
1: in all seriousness, if you are listening to us, share your website. Yeah, let them know who you let are. Let them know mm-hmm. one more How time to get as we wrap you. this up, and then we'll get you back on the next couple months. We'll get back on here and do it again.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a pilgrimscoffer dot com. Uh, if you just Google search a Pilgrim's Coffer, I think I probably wind up being one of the first ones. A Pilgrim's Coffer Theology, you may see it. Um, and uh, so it's A-P-I-L-G-R-I-M-S-C-O-F-F-E-R. So a Pilgrim's Coffer. Somebody saw that at, when I first, early on, it was like, oh, I thought it was saying a Pilgrim Scoffer. <laughs> was, oh no! I was like, I didn't even think about that when I when i did it and i knew that this an agnostic website okay was going to be unconventional um <laughs> when i came out with it but i started thinking what do i want to call this and that just kept coming back in my mind as i'm trying to i would like to make a, i mean it's a it's probably a lifelong project but i would like to make a repository a valuable repository of resources that that can benefit people um and so I'm not anywhere near that. I've got stuff. I actually moved platforms not long ago. So I've got a lot of stuff from the old website. I've not even done moving over. Right. And then between shipping stuff out and cu- trying to come out with some new stuff, um, you know, I haven't really had time to add a whole lot to that. Um, I've got some guys um, who've kind of done a little bit on the blog with me uh, so because I just don't have as much time to sit and write. I would love to um, take out – one or two page excerpts out of some of these books that I'm going through and then just sit there and do 1500 words talking about it. Um, I don't know that many people would want to read that, but I enjoy that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's just, we'll see where it goes. Um, but the main thing is, is, um, you know, trying to help people locally. I know I've gotten a, a quite a good number of people who, live in the area that I've never known who reach out and go, I just live 15 minutes from you. I saw your website. I want to, you know, so it's kind of that engagement. I've had people, uh, come visit my, ask where I went to church and come visit my church because they're new to the area. And they found my posts on Instagram tagging Ashboro, North Carolina, um, stuff like that. So the main thing is to give people, uh, resources, to give people items. Um, a lot of people buy gifts for me to give as gifts to like their pastors or their elders. Right. Um, so the main thing is to help people out like that. Give, um, give, uh, some good, uh, you know, material content if that's what they want, but also, um, you know, digital content and, uh, drop quotes here when I can, uh, give references, help people out. I have people, Hey, can I saw you reference such and such, can you, can you show me, can you send me a picture of the next two pages to see so I can read the rest of what he was saying? I go, yeah, sure. So I go open my A.W. Pink and uh, cut take the rest of the pictures and send it to him overseas. I had somebody the other day from, uh, I think they were from Thailand that probably didn't have the book, may have not had it online where they knew that they could find it over there. Yeah. And so, Hey, would you mind sending me? Out? Yeah. So I send it, you know, I've had uh, pastor friends, who hey, can you you know can you help if you run into something in your library? Can you, and that's the type of stuff that I love because, like I said, it's about for me, it's about serving. For me, it's about um, meeting people. But but ultimately, when it all boils down, I hope that it benefits somehow the local church in various ways. Uh, whether it's gift giving, whether it's whether it's solely pastor appreciation, but hopefully, ultimately, uh, you know, it's the doctrine, the theology. That that I give resources for people to uh, to grow from and to and and to you know and to not have to have a massive library to have access to some of it. That's another thing. You know, everybody is not going out there and and just got a bunch of extra uh, you know funds to go have physical copies of everything. So part of it for me is that. So I hope uh, you know come out to a, a pilgrimscoffer.com. Send me an email if you're ever looking for any older books i i'd say about every week i've got stuff coming in from the uk that i have to order because i can't find it here right um so a lot of different stuff so send me a message tell me what you're looking for you know say hey um come to north carolina and eat some barbecue with me whatever you want to do just you know
0: <laughs> let me say something do. and then i'm gonna turn it over to Chaylen and he can close this but uh i didn't meet you till today and uh I'm going to say something. that's going to sound very SBC and evangelical of me. You've been a blessing. You've been a you've blessed my heart uh, today. It's been. You. I feel like I've met a new friend. So that's great, and I appreciate Absolutely. what you're doing. And I say amen to the fact that you're being a resource for 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 godly men who want to get this information. And I uh, appreciate it. And I want to thank you for being on our show too, Chaylon.
1: Yeah, well, thank well, you
2: guys. I really appreciate you guys inviting
1: me. We will do this again. We will yep. at the two hour and ten mark. We'll cut it off roughly, and. Thank you, man. This has been yep. far exceeded any expectation. Um, more theology, and we got to do this again. I thought uh, I might get 30 minutes
0: out of you, and then we'd have to fill the rest of the show. No, this was great.
2: No, that's generally why I have to apologize to people. But no, uh, I, Don't I, apologize we're to us.
0: No, we're, we're, we're wordy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I'd be glad to join you guys anytime. Like I said, it's a blessing just to uh, fellowship with guys like this and, and have good conversations, and, and hopefully it, it benefits those that are listening.
1: All right. Well, we thank you, man. You have a great day. Thank you so much, and I'll be in touch because I know I got to get some more stuff. So, thank you. You have a great day, man. God
2: bless you. God. You too. God bless. Thank Thanks,
1: Jared.